What is up, everybody? Happy Tuesday. Hope you're doing good out there. Hope you're enjoying your week so far. Hopefully, you made it through Monday without too much depression and hatred for your jobs. And uh, now you're cruising straight into Tuesday with some happiness upon you. Um, I'm doing really well. Had a great weekend. Uh, my girlfriend Brittany and I went and got her a new vehicle. Uh, that's always a terrible fucking process, but the end result, if you get the right one, is usually happy, and we're both happy with what we got for her, so that's all good, and I got to sit down and do a wonderful podcast with my pal, my new pal, new friend, first time we met in person, Jared. Uh, Jared's a, a really cool, interesting dude. He's involved in a lot of stuff, a lot of music, a lot of theater stuff, a lot of interesting things. Um the first time I ever talked to Jared, uh, I don't even, I don't remember. I think he hit me up when we were talking about uh, potentially helping. Oh, oh, yeah, I remember now. He was asking me if I knew of any like places where he could do some studio type shit, like what we're doing with the podcast, and uh, I did my best to help him. Did a terrible job. Didn't help him at all whatsoever, um, and I figured he probably was like done with me after that, but <laughs> luckily for me, uh, he hit me back up, and we kept talking about other stuff, and then uh, he and I finally figured out a day for him to come and record a podcast, and it just so happened that he was lucky enough uh, to be the first person to ever record an episode with me in the new studio. Um, the studio, uh, as as this episode is dropping, there's a chance that I, today on Sunday, have gone back and finished putting up all the sound foam. I'm not going to say it's 100% chance, <laughs> but there's a chance. I'll have to talk to somebody about that. Anyway, um, it's probably about like, uh, depending, uh, podcast-wise, it's like 80% set up. I just got to put up some more sound foam, and we are fucking rocking. Um, but I think um, audio quality is the best it's ever been. Um, sure wish there were more people listening to enjoy my wonderful audio quality and amazing discussion topics that said if you're listening to this now and you enjoy what i do i would really appreciate a little bit of word of mouth uh advertising you know if you know anybody that likes podcasts and isn't easily offended by someone exploring uh, wildness and ideas and whatnot then i would appreciate it if you could just like tell a friend maybe two tell two friends oh shit that's danish and o'neill thing Speaking of Danish and O'Neill, we talk a little bit about that towards the uh, beginning of the podcast. If you're uh, Pepper, if you are Pepper and you are listening now, you will enjoy this episode. <laughs> I don't have a lot of listeners, guys. It sucks. I want more. I guess I got to work harder. Whatever. But yeah, if you if you feel so inclined, please do tell a friend or so and uh, get some more listeners up in this bitch. The more listeners I have, the more encouragement I have to get better guests and the more... The better guests I get, the better listening it is for you. Uh, yeah. So, Jared, great, great guy. We, you know, he's he's involved in so much crazy, interesting stuff. It's it's wild to me. I, I can't. I mean, I, I'm involved in a lot of stuff myself, but not near as much as this dude. And somehow he finds time to do all that, have a full time job, and sleep. So, kudos to Jared. Thank you, Jared, for given me a fantastic discussion. It was a really, really fun uh, conversation. I tried to do about an hour, an hour and a half, typically, just to give you guys a fair amount of uh, 
entertainment, but also not expecting you to listen for two, three, four, five hours. Like, I don't want to take up your whole fucking day with my measly little show, but we just got so deep in a discussion, it ended up being two hours anyway, and I just, I think it was really fun, and uh, yeah, I think you guys will enjoy it. He's a really fucking awesome guy. Last week's episode, I don't know if uh, you guys heard that one with Mr. Chris Izzy, another fantastic episode, but uh, I wanted to real quick, it's this weekend, this Friday, uh, let me see, what is Friday, October 25th? Yeah, October 25th, uh, again, at Simplicity Furniture, um, if you live in the Evansville Tri-State area, there is a comedy show at Simplicity Furniture on the corner of Green River and Vogel. Used to be Harp's Pets, if you remember that. Uh, it's only $10, and it's going to a really good cause. Guy needs a kidney. He's a really nice guy, from what I've been told. Uh, <laughs> I've never met him, but I trust Chris, and Chris says he's a good guy, so there you go. Uh, but even if you don't care about kidneys or other people, uh, go see some funny fucking show, man. We don't We don't get a whole lot of comedy shows around here in Evansville. And uh, there's some really good comedians on that show. I've heard Chris is funny. I know Gavin's funny. And I know Andy Emily's funny. So go fucking check out that show. Support a good cause. And uh, help Evansville's comedy scene continue to grow. Because I feel like both our music and comedy scene are on the rise right now. And the more shows you go out and especially pay for to see, the more the, the scene will grow and the better... Uh, quality of entertainment we can receive here. We don't always have to go to the Ford Center, folks. We can go to smaller local shows and be just as entertained. So please go check that out. You can find that on Facebook. It's the Side-Splittingly Funny Comedy Show. Uh, you can look up Chris Izzy and follow him, and uh, you can pretty easily find uh, him sharing that comedy show. It's uh, 8 p.m., October 25th at Simplicity Furniture. Please go check it out. Uh, I guess that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. This is a long episode. We talk about a lot of interesting things. Please stick it out to the end. I promise you it is worth the two hours. Um, for me, it's only like an hour and 20 minutes because I listen to podcasts sped up. So fucking, there you go. That's a thing. Start listening to podcasts faster. That'll save you time. Your brain will adjust, I promise. At first it sucks, but your brain will adjust to the speed. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, please enjoy this episode. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody who's been supporting me through uh, this transition to the new studio. And uh, fuck Jake Bethel. Just kidding, Jake. I love you. Always honest. Always raw. Real people. Real talk. Real stories. That's what you'll find. With Tyler on Secret Time Secret Time with Tyler You'll laugh and you'll cry So open up your heart now It's time for Secret Time But then once... I do that a lot. <laughs> I just had Vietnamese food, so Dude, if my, I do that... Might, might might come out the other side, but <laughs> mine, I apologize in advance. Oh, that's all right. Mine smells like chicken salad. Yeah, not a good smell. It, like now it's on my microphone. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I got this board for like a hundred bucks. It's really good. Yeah, and there is absolutely 
no feedback now. Mm-hmm. And this fucking building is so quiet. Yeah, I actually was noticing that. It's kind of creepy almost. Yeah. I, mean, I think I think these panels up here on the ceiling are definitely helping with that a lot. Absolutely. Because um, having the tiled ceiling, usually those absorb quite a bit of sound. Yeah, the drop ceiling is definitely ideal. Um, once I get the rest of the sound foam up, it'll be even better. <clears throat> it sounds, when I, I played back, I tested earlier, and it sounds so different in this room mm-hmm. compared to the other one, but I can't put my finger on exactly what mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Now, do you keep on your Behringer mixer here, do you keep everything like 12 o'clock for EQ and then go after the fact in EQ, or do you like to do a lot of it beforehand, like pre? So before, I I was really stupid, and I turned everything up super loud because, um, I don't know, when I see everything all my waveforms really small. I get nervous that mm-hmm. you can't hear. But like the other day I had an epiphany. I was just like the, the dynamic range compression I do on this will boost it and mm-hmm. everything will sound better. So I, I've completely eliminated clipping. Clipping is no longer an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, turning everything down has created a, a spot where there is absolutely no background noise. I always had like a decent amount of uh, feedback and I was I just accepted that that was life. I just have to noise removal everything. yeah, yeah. yeah out the ass and then ever since i i just spent like a good 10 20 minutes like playing with everything um i just keep everything as close to zero as possible and then the gain i just very slightly mm-hmm. move it up move it up and mm-hmm. yep. the, the more mics i have turned on the worse it is though right so if i could if i turn these ones on you can start yeah, to hear just sure. a little bit because they're like mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. like a loop but yep um there's so usually when I have four going, there's so many people talking. There's there's no dead air. Right, right. You know, I think that like as somebody who's been doing sound like a lot more in the last year, but for a long time, it's one of the most important things to learn to really just be delicate with the gain. Yeah. Because a lot of people, especially guitar players, because you're so used to like just cranking the gain <laughs> to get that yeah. nice crunchy sound, but a lot of people think that you just need to like use the gain like volume, and you really you really can't. Like you have to turn it up just enough. And then ride the fader the rest of the way yeah. and make it sound great. Yeah, on my old board, I would just uh, I'd keep the gain all the way off because I always felt like it just gave it so much extra feedback that I would just use the um, instead of fader sliders, it had knobs, and I'd just turn them all mm-hmm. the way up and or almost all the way up. And I use uh, I don't know that board sucked. Yeah. It was like yeah. sixty bucks. I think I'm gonna sell it. <laughs> I don't need it. Yeah. We were using it for mobile it, stuff. Is that look either? That's it. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. I'm, yeah, we, I'm used to the shelf being in that corner. <laughs> yeah, I saw you looking and I was like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But uh, no, it's funny because we have one just like this over at the studio that I was looking at today. I can't find my power supply for it. It makes me like super sad because we've got like a, a 24 channel Behringer that we use for the front of house people. And it's just so big Mm -hmm. and there's LEDs and it ruins the aesthetic because it's distracting, you Mm -hmm. know? So I wanted to use the smaller one and, uh, cause so for like, so where we're at now, like we've just grown so much as a theater organization. Two years ago, we didn't have any sound equipment, hardly of our own. And everything we were doing was like rented, borrowed, like whoever I could find that had the gear, my personal stuff, other band members, personal stuff, theater people's personal stuff. And since then we've, just worked really hard and fundraised and all sorts of stuff. And now we have uh, like a full digital mixer with a digital snake. So I run all the sound from my I- like my iPad or my phone nice. and I can be anywhere in the building. It's all like wirelessly, you know, sent out. And I would love to have that in front of house, but you know, some of our people just haven't 
run digital mixers a lot yeah. so it's nice to have something in up front as a backup mm-hmm. um, but i just would love to have something small yeah small and not like bright red or white or something small mm-hmm. and like gray or black like this so it just yeah. blends in yeah Especially because, like, the people who painted the floor and all the costumes, I think they've worked so hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you want to keep as much attention on the show as possible. for sure. Yeah, um, you mentioned the company. You didn't say what the company is. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. Um, So, it's Stage 2 Productions. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's an Evansville-based non-for-profit theater. And uh, our focus is just on inclusion through the arts. We do a lot of uh, LGBTQ activism. Um, a lot of community awareness for different issues. So an example of that is when we did Heather's the Musical back in April, uh, we had a big focus on like anti-bullying, um, you know, if you need to have therapy for anything, anti-suicide, uh, anti-substance abuse, things like that, because that musical has a lot to do with those things, mm-hmm. um, especially because it involves, you know, high schoolers, teenagers. Um, you know, we just try to, we try to make sure that people feel welcome to come and audition that people know that we're just a bunch of people that love art and we want everybody to be involved and that we are promoting things that are passionate to the people who are involved. That's that awesome. Sense. Yeah. yeah it's a super great group of people. I don't know. Um, how, how much you guys have to do with like that Shakespeare type stuff. But. Yeah. So our board president, Tony Shepperjohn, um, she also sits on the board for Evansville Shakespeare players and she's one of the founding members of both organizations. So, um, she produces all the Evansville Shakespeare players stuff in conjunction usually at this point with us. So a lot of the people that are on the board for one also sit on the board for the other or help out with the other. Uh, and then most of the actors split between the two groups as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my buddy Jay Rivers, uh, that was the reason I actually uh, went to that Studio 321 gotcha, spot. Yeah. Uh, he was in, uh, what was it, Merchant of Venice. Yeah, that was what, uh, last year, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. last year. It was awesome. They did a really good job, and it was cool how they modernized it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, actually one of our board members, Kate Small. She's also on the board for Evansville Shakespeare Players, and she's the one that directed that, and uh, she did a great job. Yeah, I think um, somebody ended up getting sick. And then she had to fill in for one of the actors. So she was like... Yes, she was in the show too. Yeah. Yeah. She was uh, in Antonia, I think. Uh, maybe. I don't remember. But she... I mean, I can't imagine. There was a couple of times where I could see that she kind of like fumbled a line. Mm-hmm. But I knew ahead of time that she was filling in because yeah. I mentioned it. I yeah. Like, well, and Kate, Kate and Tony are really good friends and they go back a long time. But they're both huge Shakespeare nerds. Like <laughs> hardcore Shakespeare nerds. So I think it helps when you've been doing the productions for a long time and you read the stuff in your off time. Plus you've directed it, you know, everybody's lines. It really, I think it's stressful for sure to be in that situation, but that's kind of one of the responsibilities you take on directing too. Right. So I I think Kate did a fantastic job picking that up and just kind of rolling with it and not letting it stress her out, Mm -hmm. you know, just, Hey, okay, got to make it happen. Show (laughs) must go on sort of deal. It was a fantastic show. I would definitely need to make it out to more of that stuff. Now that I, I, transition to a job where i have more weekends off Mm -hmm. i'm definitely gonna try to get out more there was a good solid like six months where i worked every weekend that's brutal it was terrible super brutal and like long days yeah i I would just as soon quit my job where (laughs) i couldn't work on the or like couldn't do my stuff on the weekends or in the evenings it seems like you have a lot going on i mean you're involved in music and i don't know do it. <laughs> Nobody does. It's like a secret. Secret time with Tyler. Yeah, secret time with Tyler. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but no, like, so I'm just going to give the rundown here and then we can, I guess, address each one as needed. Sure, yeah, but yeah. So I work in IT as, as my day job. I've been doing that for going on six years now. Right now I do like 
IT management, project management, security is my main focus. And then outside of that, I play in Tailgate Revival. I play bass in that main as the main bass player. It's a local country cover band. Um, I play in a local original band. Uh, it's Mark Cruz and his project called Canvas. No shit. Yep. He, um, so I love Mark. Uh, I'll tell. There's a funny story. Mark's a great guy. Um, we've been working together now for about six months, and there's a really cool story how it all came to be. Um, and then. I also do the stage two production stuff. So I sit on the board for that. And then in addition to that, I also help out with any of the productions outside of, you know, board duties. So for the musicals, usually I'm playing and running sound. And then occasionally I like to act. It's a big time commitment because you have to be at a lot of rehearsals. So I don't get to do that as much. Um, And then I also write my own music. uh, And then I have various other... (laughs) passion projects and creative projects that I like to do outside do you, of Do all you that. actually sleep? I do some. Yeah. <laughs> usually, uh, I usually go to bed about 1230, one o'clock is my average. Um, I also sleep till like 715 every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my plan lately has been like, go to bed 1030, 11, get up at six, 630. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to get to be one of those like Elon Musk, Tim Cook, Michelle Obama people that sleeps like five hours a night and gets up at 3 a.m. to work out. Uh, it's just, I don't know how they do it. I've tried. I would guess it's probably substance assisted in some well, way. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. I actually, I do take Adderall prescribed um, and that's made a big impact on my ability to stay focused and organized. Like I used to do as much stuff. I just wasn't as good <laughs> at keeping up with it all. Um but I really don't feel like in the mornings it helps me out much. Okay. I think their secret is probably just exercise and Maybe. that it's a habit too. You know, a lot of those people are really into the whole like REM cycles. So they know that like if I go to bed at this time, I have to get up at this time because my body, my REM schedule is, mm. you know, 3.7 hours or 3.4 hours or <laughs> however. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they've got it all down to a science. I'm not quite to that level and I don't know if I want to get to that right. level, honestly. <laughs> well, I mean, there was a while where I was averaging like four or five hours a night and it like there was mornings where I'd get up at like three in the morning to go to work and like the first two hours of my day I was hallucinating through yeah, half of it. I couldn't. I couldn't. I worked for Fiat Chrysler for a while in a factory. It's like my first like real job outside of Pizza Hut. Like <laughs> and um I used to work four to four and like five, six, seven days a week sometimes. And I just couldn't do it. I was a zombie. I'd get up, go to work, come home, eat, take a bath, take a shower, whatever, go to bed. Yeah. That was my life every day. And I was just like, I can't do this. It's not working. I did that for two years. Yeah. My first truck driving job, it was like, get up at 3 a.m., work from four till four, and then come home and basically. Yeah. And like, what routes were you doing? Like, how far out? Uh, It was mostly like Petersburg, Indiana. Um, I didn't go much farther than like Oaktown up by Mm -hmm. uh, Sullivan, which is where I went to high school. Okay. Shout out Golden Arrows. (laughs) Bam. Nobody could see that, but I just, I just shot an arrow from uh, an imaginary I can't confirm. bow. There was a pantomiming situation, <laughs> and I did it left-handed too. I'm not left-handed. I would have been could have fooled me. Well, fucking, maybe I'm ambidextrous. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> who knew? Acting. <laughs> I'm an actor. You mentioned acting. Um, what uh, what productions have you acted in? So in Evansville, I have not done a whole lot. I have been in. Let's see. That's a good question. I think two total since I moved here. I've been here. Five years, roughly. Five, okay. five and a half years. From where? 
Tennessee originally. Okay. Bell Buckle, Tennessee. Bell Buckle. Bell Buckle, Tennessee. It's a real place. Um, it's home of the RC Moon Pie Festival. So it's a big deal. Like a lot of races per capita, or oh, yeah, Tennessee can be, <laughs> can be. Bell Buckle's actually not not super bad because um, it's really close to Murfreesboro and it's only like forty minutes from Nashville, so yeah. it's pretty touristy. There's a restaurant there called the Bell Buckle Cafe. Shout out, guys! You guys are delicious. <laughs> um, that does a lot of like home style food, and people come like Saturday and Sunday. That place is packed all day, and there's a line out front, and it's awesome. Actually, my high school. Um, economics teacher and he also taught another class that i can't remember i'm sorry mr huffman but he uh, ran a radio show out of the cafe for a long time a long-running radio show nice and um i used to go watch it when i was a kid i got the privilege to go back like three years ago and play some original music on it and it's you know it's not like this huge thing it's an am station that's just broadcast locally but for me it was like it's very punk this rock. is the opry like for me this is the grand old opry oh, i can't yeah. go any further than this you know <laughs> um but uh, so it's a super cool place, and a lot of the like big Nashville stars and stuff will come down there every now and then and visit the antique store. So it's pretty well known. Yeah, yeah. Um, you ever been to Toots? Yeah, dude. Good food toots, and fun. Man, it's so funny you mentioned Good that. Food and fun. I used to eat at Toots, the main one in Murfreesboro. I used to eat <laughs> there like every day. I'm not even kidding. Hey, like, kid, it's drafty. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I had the iguana named Elvis. Um, you know they have like. There's one in Bowling Green, I think. Yep. And then there's... Oh, the, the one in Bowling Green closed down. Oh, did it? Yeah. I didn't know that. I've actually never been to that one, so it doesn't yeah. mean anything to me. <laughs> I've never been to any of them. It's just a, kind of an How inside... How do you know about it then? So, <laughs> it's a long story, but there's a, a podcast out there called The Danish and O'Neill Podcast. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they have a, a, like a kind of secret Patreon-based one where there's only like a thousand people that listen to it, but it is the most like off-the-wall shit i mean like listening to it you feel like you're getting brain damage like it's it's not normal they're insane and they uh, one of their the four original guys was from murphy's or he's actually from uh, chattanooga okay yeah, yeah. chattavegas chattavegas it's kind of like that sometimes <laughs> and then he moved to murfreesboro and he was talking about toots and they did like a two hour long thing about how they wanted to uh, send an email to toots to give them new ideas for mascots <laughs> uh they called the store and asked if drafty was there uh they watched they went on the facebook and they watched the promotional videos oh my god i'm gonna have to do that it's we should do that hilarious i just i don't want to ruin it because it's Uh. a very important part of my childhood (laughs) actually so this is a really good segue so uh last year for rocky horror i started this like food page on facebook called rocky band eats and it was just all the guys in the rocky here's what happened all the guys in the rocky band would end up at my house every night and we get hammered and I would nice. cook food for us. You know, and Drew so, Beasley, right? Yeah, Drew's in, yeah. He, so he would come over some I nights. Garrett would come over. Garrett guy. Hunter, uh, he was in Wax Astro when they were based out of here in Evansville. Um, from but, the uh, Bootleg Shanty. Yeah, podcast. from the Bootleg Shanty. They're, I was going to talk about them that's, here that's in a, a minute. Good, that's a good show. Yeah, they're, they're great. Garrett was at my house last night. Uh, I was actually on their podcast about a month ago. Had a blast doing it. Um, so, yeah plug them they're great plug away um but anyway they would come over and we would cook a bunch of food and i'd post it to the rocky facebook page for the cast members and everybody loved it so i just decided to do it like all the time so i made a facebook page called (laughs) rocky band eats and it's just us you know posting food stuff nice and uh i took my girlfriend down to toots (laughs) 
uh, <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. Uh, like maybe four <laughs> months ago, and I posted a bunch of Toots food on Rocky Band Eats. Did you get fried pickles? I did. We got. Let's see. We got. Uh, here, I could probably just pull it up <laughs> and tell you what all we got. Good food um, and fun. But I got. Good food and fun. Uh, derp a derp I, I have one friend that listens to Beach Cops. His name is Pepper. And he's going to fucking love this whole segment about toots. <laughs> All right. So while I'm looking this up, I'll tell you the story. So when I was a kid, my mom worked in Nashville. My stepdad worked in Woodbury, Tennessee, which is like almost two hours in the opposite direction. And then me and my youngest brother went to school in Murfreesboro right in the middle. And my mom was a nurse. So she would occasionally have to work like 12, 14 hour shifts up at the hospital. And so we would get up at like 5 a.m., drive her to Nashville, drop her off. Stepdad would bring us back. We'd get dropped off in Murfreesboro at like 7.30. We'd go to school. We'd sit in the, you know, after-hours daycare until, I don't know, 5, 5.30 every night. She wouldn't get off till 9 or 10 some nights, so we'd have nothing to do. And so our stepdad would just take us to Toots, like, every fucking night. <laughs> Literally, every night we'd end up in Toots. And then they built three of them. They've got three now. Oh, so there's two in Murfreesboro and one in Smyrna. So we were just, there was always a toots nearby. The one on the toots south is what they call it. It's literally 10 minutes from Bell Buckle. Oh my God. I mean, we just go there all the time, dude. <laughs> so it's kind of this like hilarious thing to me because it was a major part of my childhood. That is so fucking like, hilarious. Like we used to go there for New Year's parties. We knew the owners. We knew all the servers. Um, they had a bunch of like arcade machines like San Francisco Rush and Fast and the Furious and Cruising USA. Hell yeah. And me and my youngest brother had the top scores on like every track. <laughs> Literally every track on every game, every level on every game they had there. We always had the top scores. And there may there were probably a couple other people too that kept seeing our names pop up that were regulars and they're like, yeah. Yeah. Who the hell are these kids? <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, yeah, man. So let's see. We got a. Uh... That's how I was with Hydro Thunder. We had one at our uh, a Walmart in Sullivan before oh, yeah, they had they, Super yeah, Walmart. Dude. They had the arcade yeah, man. Hydro Thunder. Man, Hydro Thunder is the, the bomb. dot com. Hydro Thunder. <laughs> All right. So let's see. All right. So we got fried pickles and wings for appetizers, and then my girlfriend got the Toots burger with onion rings on the side. <laughs> And then I got a ribeye steak sandwich, which oh, is shit. one of the Actually, top menu items at Toots, and some fries. You got to send me those pictures. I will. I'm going to use that. those well, for just, the You know what you could episode. do instead? You should just go <laughs> like my Rocky Band Eats page. I'll do it. I'll do it right yeah, now. Yeah, you should do that. And then uh, you can see phone. all the pictures. Uh, Drew Beasley, uh, shout out to Drew, works at Gangnam. He's a sushi chef. He is a chef. So dude. he posts a lot of his sushi pictures on here. And then there's a lot of pictures of food that uh, all the rest of the band members and friends that are on the channel have made. So, like, here's some ramen I made. Nice. Um, here is some... This is great podcast. Some pho here's that some... I made for one of my friends and his Vietnamese wife. And I'm just going to say... It's very colorful. She said it was the best pho she's had outside of Vietnam. So, oh, yeah? I'm just I'm just saying. I did a great job doing the research, making the recipe. She might have just been blowing smoke, but... On an unrelated note, why do you think there's so much Korean food in Clarksville, Tennessee? You know, I don't know because I don't go to Clarksville a lot. I would imagine it has something to do with a large Korean population, but... I think it has a lot to do with the base there. There's a base? Oh, there's a military base. It's uh, Fort Campbell, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe. That sounds right. It's like the main thing there. I'm going to be honest. Like, I didn't know Fort Knox was in Louisville until like six months ago. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I was like, wait, so you're telling me the that they the filmed gold? the Bond movie there? <laughs> what? 
The one with all the gold? Yep. It's fucking... Take yep. it down, bro. Yeah, it's loading. There's no cell reception. No, it's so. all right, dude. I understand. But yeah, my last truck driving job, I drove through Murfreesboro like four or five days a week. And I would look like the, the place I would go was like a half a mile from Toots. I passed it every, yeah. twice yeah. every day. For, well, they got billboards up everywhere and yeah. stuff, too. My favorite, my absolute favorite thing about, I already like this page. I think you invited me to like Maybe it I, I did, probably. Yeah. But uh, my favorite thing about Murfreesboro, and this is so like, asinine obscure you might not even know what i'm talking about but like where that toots is um past the medical center parkway Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, on it really yeah um if you go up that other street that intersects Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you go north i think it's like 41 something yeah but uh there is a hotel a motel like a real ratty shitty motel Mm -hmm. like three two blocks from toots and it's got a big sign says murfreesboro motel and it's got like a horse on it you know what i'm talking I about i know exactly what you're talking about so do you know why there is a space in the middle of the word murfreesboro Mm-mm. it says m-u-r-f space easeboro i looked at it closely i would always go through there at nighttime this is a long way to get to a really stupid thing that i noticed but <laughs> I would always go through there at nighttime and I never, I was like, why the fuck is it Murph Eesboro? Like, why is there a space? And then one day I went through there during the daytime and I got a close look at it because I was stuck in traffic. These fucking geniuses, when they wrote in like eight, eight to 12 foot tall letters in paint up on this giant fucking sign, when they wrote Murfreesboro, they spelled it Murfreesboro. <laughs> <laughs> Murph Reesboro. That's fantastic. And instead of painting over it and redoing it, all they did was white over the R. That is so great. <laughs> that is so great. Well, okay, but you know, that's kind of the Tennessee thing is that you is... just leave like letters or sounds <laughs> or whatever out. Like if you're a true Tennessee native and you're like, I'm kind of a like, they used to call me in high school the damn Yankee because mm. most of my family's from up here. And even though I spit. 99.9% of my childhood in Tennessee. <laughs> Everyone could still hear just like a little Indiana, a little Chicago, whatever. And uh, so I guess I just don't have the draw. I don't know. But if you're a true Tennessee native, you would just call it uh, Murfboro. Mm. Murfboro. Murfboro. Yeah. Like they and should... then Shelbyville is down the road. You just call it Shubville. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You're just How do they like... pronounce Smyrna? Uh, it's actually Smyrna. I thought so. Yeah, but I think that's there's a place in I guess Greece or Rome, and it's Smyrna. Oh yeah, yeah, because Nashville is like the Athens of the South. <clears throat> no, that's what it's called. For real? Uh, yeah, and its sister country is um, I guess Greece, right? Um, because they have a recreation of the Parthenon in Nashville. Uh, the Parthenon, I guess, burnt down or was destroyed, and mm. so they recreated it in Nashville. And fun fact for you sports fans, that's why the Tennessee Titans are called the Titans, because the Greek Titans. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess I guess by that logic, Vegas would be the sister city of Cairo, because they have a... <laughs> sure, the pyramids. Or Paris, or yeah. both. Yeah, yeah sure. They're, yeah. they're uh, twin sisters. Yeah, that would make sense, maybe. I'd watch them make yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vegas and Vegas and Paris having a little makeout fest. Yeah, I think Vincennes is like uh, a French city too. They got a lot of that going on. Yeah, it's you know Indian is really interesting. I think that because there's a, like a big Dutch German population. 
Um, but there's also a lot of other like subgroups yeah. I've noticed kind of spread throughout. Yeah, like the Terre Haute Vincennes area. That's mm-hmm. all very French, very French. influenced. Yep. Lafayette. Lafayette for sure. And then you get to like the German areas, Jasper, Evansville, mm-hmm. all that shit. It's everything's named German stuff. But something interesting I found out. So I went to college in Pulaski, Tennessee, and we always wondered like why it was called Pulaski. And I had a professor that actually explained it. There's a famous, I don't know, Dutch or Swedish count. I don't know. Famous count whose name last name was Pulaski and he was Count Pulaski. And I guess during, I want to say maybe French, but during the revolutionary war, he was pretty active, uh, and he traveled a lot. And so I guess he was famous and made an impact. So a lot of people named their towns after him. So mm. there's a couple Pulaski's around the United States, and they're all named after this one guy. <laughs> um, so that's actually kind of, a, I think, a common practice uh, to name your city or your buildings or whatever whatever after the same person because they influenced it. I don't, I don't know. Hmm. Seems like the dude that like Evansville's named after was around a lot of he had like a homie named Owen right and they just founded fucking everything yeah yeah and uh there's like an Evanston Illinois Evansville uh-huh. Illinois Evanston yep. Indiana Evansville Indiana like he's just everywhere it's crazy dude he's just like it's I, nuts. Fuck, I own all this shit can yeah. you imagine like being able to name shit back then it's super cool you just pick a name for well, actually a place? like you don't even name it like people respect you enough that you're just like <laughs> I'm gonna name it after that guy cause he's fucking great or yeah. whatever I don't know. I feel like there's got to be some places with, where the name is so bad, it had to be the person that founded that named it that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying I'm sure to think of are. I'm trying really hard to think There's of a one. really funny one. Gary, uh, Indiana? Gary, Indiana. Why would you fucking name a place Gary? Yeah, it's pretty bad. If you name your pet Gary, I, I fucking hate you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have five pets named Gary. They're all named Gary. <laughs> Piece of shit. Isn't that the name of the snail from SpongeBob? Yes, it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, as secret time. This is confession time, really. But I've never wa- like sat down and watched SpongeBob. Like I've been in a room with other people who were watching SpongeBob, or like at a party, and we woke up the next morning, we're all hungover, and somebody turned SpongeBob on. Mm-hmm. But I've never been at home, been like, I'm gonna watch SpongeBob. Hmm. I, I don't know if it's. It's not that it doesn't interest me because the episodes I've seen are funny. It's just yeah. one of those things. It's like there's a lot of it. And there's a lot of other stuff mm-hmm. and it's hard to, you know how it is, man. There's just so much media to consume these days. And because of technology, we have access to so much stuff. So it's like, how do you, mm-hmm. like, how do you pick and choose? You know? Well, I mean, I'm the same way with Disney channel stuff. Yeah. The only Disney channel show I ever watched growing up was Lizzie McGuire. And I was just beaten root to that fucking yeah. Hillary Duff. Good Lord. Yeah. She is an attractive yeah. young lady. Yeah. I don't want to disparage her. No, She's very no. attractive. Yeah. Yeah. She's a grown up with a child now, and I'm a grown man. <laughs> she was, she was definitely uh, the subject of my adolescent adoration. Yeah, Ooh, that's a tough that's one. A tough one. It's mm. Alliteration. It's adolescent adoration for there's the a, alliterative. There's a band name for you, statement. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So like, they launched the Disney Plus lineup, and it's insane. Ooh. Like Disney Afternoon, X Men, Spider Man. Is this like, like their Netflix? Yeah, this is like their streaming service. Because I was like, man, I'm not gonna pay like 15 bucks a month to have all this other shit. Like, I don't need it. Yeah, like, I don't need the ha- half of what I have, honestly. Like streaming wise. But then they like had the lineup, and I was like, so you're telling me that 90s Spider Man, 90s X Men, <laughs> Earth's Mightiest Heroes, Avengers are all going to be in the same place for me to binge <laughs> on repeat for the rest of my life? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to buy that. 
it's it's kind of an interesting thing where like streaming kind of saved media in a sense where like pirating was so easy and still is and i'm still a fan of pirating yeah for sure but netflix specifically made it so convenient like the convenience was there that you can just like you can fucking like be about your like you you know when you eat too much and your pants button is about Mm -hmm, to bust mm -hmm. and you undo it and you unzip Mm -hmm. your zipper and you're walking around and you're so like fucking full of food that your pants still stay up even though your zipper's down yeah dude you can do that and press a button with like your fucking like half of a pound of pressure and you can watch literally anything Anything. you want it's insane they made it that convenient that people were willing to pay for something that they could get for free if they put 45 seconds worth of effort into Mm -hmm. it but instead Mm -hmm. you just press one button yep i don't know how they did it but it's genius it's crazy it's super crazy and like it's cool and it's not cool because on the cool side like your access to information you know it's weird i work in it and i'm like super pro technology because it's very helpful Mm -hmm. but i'm also like kind of anti-technology in a lot of ways too because you know with like being a musician and media and streaming and you know the access to it it's awesome when you're at an indie level like we're at right because you've got this awesome podcast and you've spent you know like two or three four hundred bucks to get it going maybe and you've got 70 episodes and you've got all these people in your community that are involved in it and that's awesome 10 15 years ago Like, something like this didn't even really exist, first of all. But even doing something similar would have cost you a ton of money. Mm -hmm. You would have had to learn all this stuff by, like, buying books and buying it and trying it out. And there's, like, a noble pursuit in all of that. Because I think there is something kind of lost that you don't have now because you have access to learn all of those things. But on the other side of the coin, it makes it easy to get started. Mm -hmm. Right? So, it's kind of – I think there's a catch-22 there. And I think that you just have to be mindful of – while it's awesome to be able to push that button and get access to media information, whatever it is, communication, there's also something that you lose by not having to work as hard for it or mm-hmm. to learn it, you know? Yeah. So it facilitates things, but I think it also takes away some things that have historically happened and occurred um, from a learning process too, right? You're not having to try as hard to learn and figure it out. You just like Google it. Yeah. Hell, I do that for work a lot of times. Oh, that's not working. Let me Google this exact situation. And yeah. oh, look, there's the fix for it. Yeah. I mean, my girlfriend is in college for nutrition. Yeah. And she was reading her questions to her quiz out loud while she was like looking them up in the book. And I would just Google what she said and then tell her the answer before she found it. Yeah. I'm just like, your profession's a joke. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that whole that whole line of thought brings up something I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I haven't actually said it out loud, but I'm finally reaching the age, which I think we're pretty close to the same age. I'm 28. You're probably 27. There you go. Um, I'm finally reaching the age where I understand the people that I used to mock as a, a younger person mm-hmm. that would always talk about how much things were better back in the day. Yeah. Like... There are a lot, like, uh, uh, cars, okay? I have a 2009 Pontiac, and it has exactly the amount of technology in it that I want. I yes. don't want backup cameras. Yes. I don't want lane assistance. I don't want no touch this and no touch that. The only things that I care about that are technology-based is remote start for the winter. So That's I can fair. have a hot vehicle to get into. And uh, 
something that tells me what my miles, my uh, uh, fuel mileage is while I'm driving, so I can be a little bit more economical. Mm-hmm. That's all I mm-hmm. want. Yeah, I don't man. even know what the fucking tire sensors. Yeah, that's fair. That's, I, 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 that. I mean, like, I think it's cool. It's all cool stuff, mm-hmm. but it's such a pain in the ass too. Yeah, it's like not only is my tire low, but now I need to like okay, I filled it up. Oh, the sensor didn't turn off. Okay, now I got to clear the computer system. Oh God, the damn sensor kicked on again. Well, now I got to replace the sensor. Yeah. And I took the tire off to replace the sensor, and because I took the tire off, five other sensors are now like, you know, and it's yeah. like a three hundred dollars sensor, and you have to take the bumper <laughs> off to get to it, and like it just goes on and on and on yeah. and on, right? Whereas I mean, my, my buddy Matt has a, a mobile auto repair company yeah and he was telling me like uh one of mine's starting to go bad and he's like well it's probably the battery and you can't just take it out and replace the battery the way they built it you have to buy a 150 dollars replacement because they made the battery unreplaceable yeah why yeah fuck would you do that it's ridiculous (laughs) like i have a 2008 bmw and it sounds fancy it's not it's it's really not i got a super good deal from a friend but it had some like for the time it came out some like advanced things. So it has like first generation Bluetooth calling in it, and it's super fucking cool. But even though it's got Bluetooth calling, it's still got an aux cable for music. Yeah, which I prefer. I would rather have the aux cable than yeah, you know, because it helps me like keep my phone. You know, I throw on a playlist and I keep it off to the side and it's playing and it's doing its thing. I feel like if I had Bluetooth, it'd be like, oh, I'm going to keep my phone in, like right next to me and I'm just going to sit here and do stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. But cables are, they get in the way. So I'm less like, personally, I'm less likely to like play with my phone driving. Sure. Because I have the cable. It's obnoxious, yeah. right? Um, and all I have to do is like hit a button on my steering wheel and I can answer calls. Right. You know, when you do as much stuff as I do, it's nice to be able to call people while you're driving. Yeah. Um, but, you know, outside of that, like, it doesn't have anything, like, super crazy fancy. It's got some really obnoxious sensors, like we were just talking about, but that's it. Yeah. You know? And that's the way I want it. I don't want, like, I don't, I mean, Wi-Fi in my car seems cool. I don't need that. I was, like. Like, I don't want that. The uh, automatic parallel parking thing, that grossed me out. Yeah, that's I was disgusting. Like, Get the fuck like, out of here. But it's, like, this goes back to what I was saying. Like, technology can make you lazy. Yeah. Like, I know how to parallel park because I spent fucking like three months in class in high school having some driver's ed person be like now you need to learn how to parallel park and derp 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 you know <laughs> and now i parallel park on my own i parallel park a semi if i had to like Me too. yeah like just you know do what you gotta do yeah, yeah. i'm sure you definitely can <laughs> i had to i had to to pass the the cdl test yeah. but it's not that hard you just have to like learn how it works yeah you know i don't want to press a button and have everything in my life done for me that's no. not living but then there's like moments where you kind of do though and you're just like i'm so conflicted like for me spotify has made me super lazy if your music isn't on spotify i'm just not gonna listen to it i just can't i can't i i remember the days when i had uh emerson uh fucking 512 megabyte uh mp3 player that i would have to constantly delete songs Oh, yeah, it was a like, fucking... It was like a square. It was, like, thick. Oh, yeah. Dude, Big I had boy. the same MP3 player. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. And it had, like, this weird little analog stick. Yeah. Like, yeah, dude. Yeah, that thing was a scroll. piece of shit, and I loved it. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, Man, that's hysterical. Toots and the Emerson MP3, man. This is, yeah. a like, insane... We're going to have one more, and we yeah. have to kiss. That's yeah, the law. I mean, it is the law in Indiana. Tennessee, <laughs> it would have been, like, 20 minutes ago, but... <laughs> no, you like Toots, too, dude? Let's make out. Thanks a lot, Pence. but um no man like yeah it's one of those things like i i really struggle 
to just listen to music in general, actually, because yeah. I stay busy. But if it's not easily accessible, I'm not going to go hunting for it. Right. Like, I need it to just, like, be in my face all the time and, like, be saying, hey, listen to me. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just not going to go out of my way to do it. And I think yeah. that there's something lost there, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, yeah. I'm conflicted because yeah. I love independent music and I love things that support artists. So like, you know, Bandcamp is probably the best place to upload your music right now. You get the fairest shake as far as money, but it's like, they don't really have an app that's viable. Yeah. And I have a lot of shit to do. Yeah. So if I can just tap a little green button and side with scroll for like one little fucking second and hit a button, like I'm listening to the sheep. That's what I want. Right. Exactly. It's so convenient. And you know, we're always driving somewhere, especially around this place. You know, there's absolutely no walking score in this whole fucking city unless you live on Haney's Corner and don't ever go anywhere. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But see, that's, you don't want to do that. You don't want to live next to everything you do and yeah. not go anywhere. That's because then you're not really doing anything. You're just right. doing the same thing over and over. You're not really like exploring or experiencing new things. Yeah. I don't know. Downtown's starting to get pretty cool, but it's just like if you want to go to a grocery store where you actually can buy things other than, you know, canned goods, you have to drive. Yeah. There's no other option. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's good to drive, though. It gets you out of the house, gives you time to think. Yeah. You know, it gives you time to listen to something on the radio or, you know, new music, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, podcasts, audiobooks, music, for me, it's 80% of the time in the car. Yeah. I just don't have time to do it outside of that. I think all of my listening time is at work when I'm driving. Yeah. And I like one job I had, the one where I'd go to Murfreesboro all the time. I mean, that was like 10 hours a day of just driving five days a week. So, and I've listened at like 1.75 times speed. Yeah. I would just cruise through podcasts all day. And I I had to stop listening to music while I was driving because if I get real into it, I'll not even realize my foot's to the floor mm-hmm. and I'm going like 80, mm-hmm. 90 and it's not good. Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, I totally get that, man. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's one of the things I live pretty close to downtown and I like to go down there. I just, I would rather, I'm a compartmentalized person. So mm-hmm. I like having all my stuff in different places because it gives me like a break too yep. between like work and the studio and home and the band places and it's to me it's nice to be able to like take that five ten minutes and just chill for a second clearly we're similar in that respect. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um no man tech's cool uh murphy's bro's cool toots is cool um <laughs> something else i wanted to plug is uh you know we did stage two a little bit i want to visit that again at some point canvas i mentioned mark cruz so um i met mark one time, and this was about two years ago, I played a food truck festival downtown. David Rudabaugh, it was when Wire Coffee was still open. Uh, they were had a little coffee set up over at this food truck festival, and he had asked Mark to play. I didn't know Mark at the time, and he needed somebody else and asked me to play because I had just finished uh, being in a play called The Secret in the Wings. It was my first play since I've been in Evansville, and they did it at Wired, and that's how I met David. So it's a killer venue. It's, it was super cool when it was open. I mean, it's it's a shame like nobody's really done anything with it. They still occasionally do metal shows yeah. there. Like I've seen Torn Confidence play there before, and it was great. Um, but it was cold as fuck, and not a lot of people came out. Mm-hmm. So they need to do more with it for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think, I think somebody will open something really cool there. That would be um, nice. But anyway, so I met Mark at this food truck festival and we talked a little bit in between us playing and before and after. And then I, I added him on Facebook. He added me. 
Um, and we didn't talk for like like a year and a half. And then back in March of last year, uh, Mark's graphics card died in his laptop or in his uh, computer. And I had just literally the same day replaced my graphics card in my computer. <laughs> and he had this post on Facebook about how his graphics card died. And I was like, well, what model did you have? And he was like, oh, I had this such and such. I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there, like a 1060. And I was like, I have a 1070 like that I just Ooh. pulled out of my rig or whatever. And he was like, oh, man, that's awesome. I was like, just come have it. Just come take it. Wow. So he came over to my house and picked it up that night or it might have been the next night. And uh, we just ended up talking for an hour and a half, maybe two hours about just like all the projects we were involved in. And he was like, hey, I just recorded this album called Culture Me. And, uh, you know, just if you get a few minutes, check it out on Spotify and listen to it. And, you know, I know you've done some recordings. So just tell me, you know, about the production quality and what you think. And I was like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll do I'll like type up some notes and stuff. And I was refinishing the hardwood floors in my house at the time. So my plan was just to throw his album on in the background, listen to it while I cleaned and pulled staples out and whatnot from pulling the carpet up. And I turned the first track on and just my jaw hit the floor. And I was just like, this is really good. And so I just sat down and listened to the whole thing start to finish, like no breaks, no interruptions. And I messaged him like the next day. I was like, I don't really have a lot of notes, uh, but I do (laughs) want to be involved. Uh, Like, what does it take for us to do something together? And so we've got a three-piece band right now that's learning the whole album. And then me and him just played our first show two weeks ago together as an acoustic duo. Fuck, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, so it's kind of one of those crazy things. Like the universe just wanted us to see that post and to get together in that moment and now we're playing in a band together it's really cool that is dope yeah and mark is like one of the most talented songwriters i've ever met he's very focused very driven uh we're very similar in that regard yeah um he's just a great dude he's a hell of a guy yeah i remember i listened to that when it came out because he's been on my good buddy Jake's podcast a couple of times talking about uh, some of the stuff he's been working on. And when culture me came out, I listened to it. And then like the day after that weekend, uh, I went and saw torn confidence at, mm-hmm. uh, Lamasco it was like the fucking, the, the big metal show where they had, I mean, there were so many people there. I'd never seen that many people at Lamasco before. It was incredible. And I saw him there and I hope he hears this because I, uh, I saw him <laughs> And I was like, hey, man, what's up? I just listened to your album the other day. It was fucking great. I heard you on the Jangle cast as well. That was awesome. You're fucking awesome. And he was like, thanks, dude. You look familiar. Who are you? I was like, I'm Tyler. Thinking maybe he had like seen Jake and I working on stuff yeah, together yeah. before because we do shit all together all the time. And he was like, oh, sweet. He thought I was Tyler Brown, who is uh, the guitar player in Forthright <laughs> and the bass player in uh, what was the other band? Fuck, I can't remember now. I'm an idiot. It was... I can't remember, but they headlined that uh, gotcha. metal I show. I don't know all the metal bands. Aegean, okay. That was the one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he thought I was Tyler Brown, and uh, he was like, dude, I can't wait to watch you play tonight. And I was just like, <laughs> what? Keep waiting. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I didn't put two and two together until Forthright went on, and I was like, oh, he thinks I'm that That's Tyler. really, really funny. That was back when my hair was long, too. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, so it was hilarious. And then I saw him again, and I was like, Sub dude, he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. I thought you were the other guy. <laughs> it's just like, don't trip, dude. That's funny. Yeah, those situations are always awkward. Honestly, though, like, you probably know, just doing this, even having 70 episodes and different guests, like, it's so hard to remember everybody. Oh yeah, that you meet. Like, 
you know, playing in the cover band, like we played 45 shows last year and I met so many people. I can't remember everybody I mean. This is actually yeah. a funny story. So my buddy Chad Burley is playing uh, in Rocky this year. He's playing bass and him and his wife, Stacey, had come to like seven or eight tailgate revival shows and I had met them at every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and he booked our band to play for Stacy's birthday party and I walked in and I was just like hi I'm Jared and, and literally at her birthday party that he paid us to come and play he was like I know <laughs> <laughs> and I was like oh yeah we have met haven't we <laughs> he was like awkward. several times <laughs> and so what's funny is we're like best friends now all three of us but at that point it was one of those things I was like I'm gonna have to actually make a concerted effort to remember people's names that I meet because yeah. at some point I'm going to forget who somebody is and they're going to feel kind of like unimportant or insulted <laughs> or whatever, you know? And I think that it's just hard. Like you have to find a way to find common ground and remember the situation or the scenario. And honestly, if you don't remember somebody's name, just be like, I know we've met and we've talked. I just forgot. It's so much easier just yeah, to come just right to out. Come right out and say it. You know, like don't don't try to be a hero. Don't try <laughs> to get your friends to be like, hey, what's on the slide? Just be like, I'm just drawing a blank. Yeah. You know, tell me. I'm sorry. I feel like maybe this is just me, but I have a, a good feeling that I think everyone kind of experiences it. But like your brain organizes people in like a, a hierarchy. Yeah. Well and there's categories too. Yeah. So like I meet people sometimes that I know I've seen before and there's zero fucking chance I will ever remember their name because I don't hang out with them ever. And, you know, it, there's certain friend groups. There's this one dude, Cameron, that I it took me a year to remember his name. I always thought his name was Garrett because he looked like a dude I went to high school with named Garrett. <laughs> so I called him that for that's a long really time. Funny. I just like, that's your name. I don't give a fuck. Um, but yeah, I, I finally learned his name. I still don't talk to him. That's crazy. I just feel like there's, your brain is just like, that whole Dunbar's number where you can mm-hmm. only know 150 people's names and faces at a time. I don't know. I feel like that's legit, at least to a certain extent. Man, I don't know. Like, I don't know how true this is. I heard that Bill Clinton remembers everybody's name that he's ever met. Right. Like, I've, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which number's higher? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moving on. No, I, I've heard that he... Like, I don't know if he invented it or somebody else invented it. That like, he invented this system where anybody who's ever met at a campaign rally, he, like, has certain ways to remember people. So, he'll, like, shake your hand and, you know, he'll ask you a specific set of questions or whatever. And that's how he remembers. I don't know if it's, like, blue hat, you know, gray hat, blue shirt, long hair, Bob, South, you know, Carolina. I don't know how he does it. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's true, honestly. Well, but it, it would make sense, you know, in yeah. that kind of situation. Um, I think that there's probably a way to invent something like that for yourself. Well, I saw a documentary on Netflix while I was with my pants unzipped. <laughs> I, all I had to do was push a button and uh, I watched it. And uh, there, it was all about these memory, these people that do these memory like Olympics where oh, they yeah. go and they do these huge competitions worldwide. I mean, there's like people from Germany and China and Japan, Korea, other Asian places. And, uh, and, European places in America and they all come to these locations and they do these like people are memorizing multiple decks of cards in order. So like they'll 
get it shuffled and they'll give it to them and they'll look through and they'll remember the exact order all 52 are in and they'll do it like three, four, five, six mm-hmm. decks mm-hmm. of cards deep. They'll remember n- patterns of numbers like 300 digits long. And what they do is they take these chunks. So like with the numbers, they'll take a chunk of three numbers. So say it's like five, 10 or five, two, six. And they'll in their brain, they've already associated every 300 or every all 999 three digit combinations of numbers to something. So like 526 would be a, a purple gorilla with a baseball bat. And then like 625 would be like a laptop that's broken mm-hmm. in half mm-hmm. and like flying through the air. And like every single, and they'll tell themselves a story. So each number is like a, a thing, a place, you know, all these things. So like in their mind, there's like a building and they're walking through each room and each room has each thing in it that they associate. Really cool. It's fucking insane. Yeah, that's really cool. Man, I don't know. I don't think it's that insane. Like insane. the human brain is a really powerful thing. Yeah. And I think that it's just a discipline, right? Like yeah. think about anything you do. Like the longer you've done it, the more experience you have doing it, the better and the deeper your understanding will be about that thing, right? Yeah. Like running sound. We were talking about it earlier. Like, well, I started with this board and now I use this board. And, oh, there's these cool digital boards. And, oh, I've got these EQs and these compressors. And at some point you just know everything that you're possibly going to know about it. And when new things come up, you just learn it real quick. It's yeah. not like it's a whole to do. Um, it's IT it, in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, but I think it's anything. It's like whether you're a baker or a mechanic or a physicist or whatever, like Bill Clinton. You, yeah. <laughs> you're going to learn everything <laughs> that there is, you know, like maybe not everything there is to know because there's always more to learn, but you're going to just know it's just an insane amount of stuff. Yeah, you know, the brain is yeah. just going to absorb it and keep absorbing it. I think so, for sure. There's, I mean, there's just certain subjects that I feel like there's a, a pretty a hard ceiling on. Like for me, when it comes to driving, I'm not going to get much better at driving than I already am, that's and that's fair. that's just like the honest truth. I've I've I mean, driven over if a you million ain't first, miles. You're last. <laughs> well, maybe racing and driving are two very <laughs> different things. <laughs> I've not. I've only dabbled a bit in the whole racing thing. Pretty fucking good at Hydro Thunder. If well, you ask I don't me. think that that's dabbling. That's the true racing right there. <laughs> that, that's that's the real racing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like with driving, I'm not gonna get much better at it. Yeah, that's fair. Like you can get a lot worse. I'm sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I pick up my phone, I suck at driving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's just I, I've driven over a million miles. I've seen most scenarios you're gonna see on the road. I'm just, I'm in, like, I drove city in Evansville, and this fucking city is terribly yeah, set up. Awful. Um, when it was, fir- when this city was first established, the the longest trailer a truck was allowed to pull was 40 feet. Now it's, you know, way longer, but 53 is standard. So, like, most places where I had to back into, oh, dude, it was a fucking nightmare. Yeah, that it, sounds awful. It was stressful for a long time, but I got good at it, and now I'm not, there's not much better I could be at. That's it. fair. I mean, I think that driving isn't necessarily a subject. It's more of an action. Mm. It's like what you're driving maybe is a new subject. Yeah. But like driving a semi, like there's probably a ceiling there. Yeah. I get that. That's fair. They come out with a new technology and it all it has done is made it easier, I think. Yeah. It's gotten to the point where like you do not have to have any skills to do it anymore. So a lot of the people that are getting put out on the road have no skills and they're just fucking terrible. Yeah bad yeah i think that i mean that's with any industry though right yeah it doesn't matter what you're in the more that automation happens people are going to be like well 
you know, me and my daddy rebuilt this engine from scratch. And it's like this, <laughs> you know, Bob over here can follow a guide and do it in 30 minutes, but it doesn't mean he knows how to build engines. True. Not, yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break. Yeah, sounds good. I'm going to pee. Break music. I don't know what you do here. I just... <laughs> Definitely not that. <laughs> Definitely not that one. Well, you should. You should just into some some funny sh- or some uh, interesting topics. Don't want to get too deep. Go into the deep end. Fifty two oh eight. Okay. <laughs> yep. No. You're. How long do you usually go? Oh, like uh hour and a half. Is yeah. like I think that's the best. Yeah, I have to go pick up some drums from Mr. Beasley. As a matter of <laughs> fact, say drugs. Drugs. I have to go pick some drugs from Mr. Beasley. Mr. <laughs> Beasley. I mean, that could be a good like. It's like Pam from The Office. Yeah, you just you were talking about The Office. I was just talking about The Office. Yeah, so I can't go too long. But no, so like I've gone back and I've been watching a lot of stuff that I, you know, was really funny a long time ago or even five years ago. And just like the climate has changed so much politically and socially that even stuff in The Office, you couldn't joke about it now. Yeah. But five years ago, everybody in America was laughing at it. Mm-hmm. And now it's suddenly... Like, oh, that's a taboo subject, or mm-hmm. that's a delicate subject. We need to dance around that or avoid that. Uh, or there's, I mean, there's shows coming out now where they just are like, we're not going to fucking tap around, you know, dance around shit. We're just going <laughs> to come out and say it. And it's just interesting to me because I feel like it's very selective what people will get mad at. Mm-hmm. Like, people will get offended and mad, or, you know, like that James Gunn made a tweet. Mm hmm. Right. And yeah, it was off color. And he's even come out and said, like, I was just trying to get attention. But nobody's going to get mad at the office for making, you know, the jokes that it's made because everybody loves the office. Like, it's one of the most beloved shows in America. But at what point will that change? Right. At what point will somebody come out and say or just the right event happen? Well, you know, Michael made a prison joke and, you know, this is a real issue in America. You know, there's all these problems with prisons and the fact that three million Americans laughed every night at that is why we have this problem in the first place. And now all of a sudden it's like the office is like the devil, like mm-hmm. the office is the worst show in America. And, you know, I, it's an example of systemic blah, blah, blah. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, I feel like you're always going to hurt somebody's feelings Mm -hmm. and you're never going to be able to write a piece of comedy that is going to withstand the test of time forever. It's just not going to happen. It's impossible. That's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have a point there. I mean, you watch any old sitcom and they're just like, there's a lot of stuff that they said or joked about that was like today you couldn't really get away with it because it's just in bad taste but that's i think there's a big difference between in something in bad taste and something being like truly offensive yeah you know like i think a lot of the early office sexual stuff was kind of in bad taste and it wouldn't really fly today like i mean just being gay back in the 90s was a punchline it was yeah i mean that well like there's a whole will and grace right it's like Oh, I'm a I'm a woman that has a gay roommate, and that's funny. Yeah, and I'm like, this, I mean, yeah, it's like that would be a punchline. It's literally just being like, oh, what are you, what are you, a fairy or something? Yeah, exactly. Insert laugh track here. Yeah, and that was the joke. But it's just, I think that back then there was a lot of like maliciousness behind some of that stuff, but I think the majority of it was just like this is something that we haven't really had a discussion about yet and we don't really understand or have fully accept so there's an awkwardness to it and that awkward awkwardness is what made it funny yeah 
Um, but then like you look at the sexual assaulty type stuff and that was more like, uh, an, a, a big problem really. Yeah. Like, a, the male dominated workplace of the, you know, the whole joke of the boss getting a blow job from his secretary right. to keep well, her job. Or, talking about Bill Clinton, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like, Bill yeah. Clinton, uh, Harvey Weinstein, that whole casting couch shit. That was all like a, a joke in Hollywood and, you know, in circles of people like, well, she got that gig because she sucked right. the producer's dick. But it's like, yeah. yeah, that stuff was actually going on. Well, but like the very rapey. fact that that was even like the statement, mm-hmm. right? Like the statement like, well, sh- so-and-so just got the job because so-and-so sleeping with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Like that is a problem. That's yeah. a systemic problem to say that. Um, and you people did make jokes about that. Like that was a typical comedy staple. Yeah. Um, I have a pretty, we're going to get really philosophical here Let's for a second. So I, I'm a nihilist as okay. an individual. I'm hardcore nihilist. I'm, I'm about as nihilistic as you can get as a human being. I read about it. I study it. Uh, I studied philosophy in college. That's probably going to explain a lot about who I am as a person um, and why I am the way I am. But I believe in radical accountability. So for me, I believe that every decision you make, the moment you make the decision, you are accepting the consequences for it. And that, whether you whether you agree with it or not, or right, wrong, or indifferent, like you're accepting the consequences. I decided to open this bottle of water. It's possible that somebody poisoned this bottle of water, uh, you know, on the assembly line. It came from a tainted well. You did it before I came here because some, at some show I forgot your name years and years ago. Who knew, right? Um, <laughs> but I made a decision, conscious or unconscious, to drink this bottle of water. Sure. And if this is what kills me, that's fine. If this is the bottle of water that the plastic is, you know, the fumes of the plant were finally what, you know, melts the last solar ice cap, like, I made a decision to drink it. And it doesn't have to be something as innocuous and stupid as that. It can be like, I made a decision to pick up my phone while I was driving Mm -hmm. to text so-and-so K and I ran over somebody. I made the decision to do that and I have to be held accountable for it. And when it comes to art, I have this very strong opinion that you should never go back and censor or edit something that was made because it is no longer popular Mm -hmm. to make that joke. Okay. And I especially think it's bad when the artist of the original work does it, Um, because I think that when you go back and you edit your work and you're, you're, you're not, first of all, you're not showing how you've evolved as a person. You're not saying, well, I made this joke 10 years ago and I recognize now as a human being that I made a joke back then that could have potentially damaged some people. And instead of taking accountability for that and saying, here's what I want to try to do to prove why I'm not that person anymore, or here's how I've grown. And I recognize that this behavior or this joke wasn't okay. Instead of doing that, you're saying, well, I just want to like edit this out so Mm. that future versions of my work don't have it. So people don't think X, Y, or Z about me as an author. Right. Um, you know, so for like me, for example, like H.P. Lovecraft. I love H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft was not a good person. No, nope. he was a hardcore racist. A hardcore racist. Not okay. Mm-mm. But I would not want to read H.P. Lovecraft if that wasn't in there. Right. Because for me, I think it's important to retrospectively look at that and say, that's what the climate was like. Not. That's that's the way the world was, mm-hmm. not how it is now. And it's important to go back and look at that so you know what not to be, 
how not to behave. Like Mad Men, the TV show, we're talking about offices and the whole boss joke. That show embodies that. It mm. doesn't, it's a no holds barred thing. Like there are very serious discussions and topics in that show that are, you know, discussed or explored through the characters. And the whole like boss employee situation is a big part of that show. And I think it's important to look back and realize that, hey, the 1940s and 50s in the business world or in Hollywood, like that whole Harvey Weinstein thing, that wasn't something that just one guy did or that 15 people did. That was every other director. That was every other actor, every other boss. That's just how it was. Right. You know, I have a a female friend that I was actually hanging out with yesterday and she was talking about how some like 57 year old guy came into her work the other day and just slapped her on the ass. It's 2019. You can't do that. That's not acceptable. That's never been able to do that. Yeah. But even in today's, you know, today's society with everything the way it is, that's still allowed to occur. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important still to go back and look at those things and not to edit them. So we know like we've come so far. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's almost like the part of the historical record. It's every piece of art is a snapshot of the times. So if you go back and you change it, like you're deleting a piece of history, really. And it's kind of pussy, like cowardice. I guess I shouldn't use the word pussy in this discussion. <laughs> not, not a great, not a great, like finisher for the closing argument for this discussion. But yeah, like it, in it, conclusion, quit yeah. being a fucking pussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Like it to me, you're erasing. You're not erasing history. You're erasing the fact that bad things occurred. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Yeah, I fully recognize that. I can s- say that with the opinion of just like a white male in America. Sure. So like, I I do think that there's flaws to that argument, but I do believe in radical accountability. So I am more than happy if you know. Not just me. I think that in general, anybody, but I'm more than happy to say, yeah, I was wrong. Right. Because that's part of life. You just learn and you grow. It's not, oh, well, who you were in this exact moment is who you have to be for the rest of your life. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that too. Because the reality is we weren't always good people. Yeah. When we were in high school or when we were kids or whatever, we've all done something to somebody that was awful. Yeah. I've got some stories. Yeah. (laughs) One particular story. Like, I've done a lot of fucked up shit in my life for sure especially in high school and there's one story that like is so bad <laughs> that i just decided not to tell it publicly anymore <laughs> it was just uh one of those like party things that you know drugs and alcohol were involved and jizz <laughs> yeah but point being i know exactly what you're talking about i mean I think I, I mean I feel like I maybe should tell that story, um, partially because it is hilarious how stupid we were, but I don't want it to seem like I think it's okay to do what I did, yeah, and what my friends all did. It wasn't just me. Don't get me wrong; peer pressure was a factor, <laughs> as well as drugs. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, there's just there's so much that's changed in the last few years as far as like accessibility to things that you've said or done in the past that I think there's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction going on with a lot of folks because 
I mean, we don't, you and I don't have as many eyeballs on us as some people, you know, you look at something like the Kevin Hart situation where 10 years ago he tweeted something that was a little bit homophobic and it's like, you went to high school, you probably were in a locker room at some point and some dude called you a fag and you laughed or something like that. Like you've been in scenarios where you could see yourself in their shoes. So why are you fucking attacking them? Mm -hmm. Stop being outraged because it's popular to be outraged at that thing right now. Yeah. And if you are, why does the entire world have to know about it? You can be quietly outraged. You can just decide to stop consuming things that that person makes. If you think that they're still that person, then stop paying for things that are involved with him and, you know, that that's the best way to, I mean, unfortunately it's not the best way anymore to protest something that you don't like is with your wallet. Nowadays it's to get them canceled or get them kicked off of whatever the fuck they're doing. It's like, I don't know it's that instant gratification thing where we want <clears throat> exactly what we want, right? When we want it. If I saw that Ellen DeGeneres said something that I disagree with, I'm going to amass this Twitter army to immediately get her shut down. Not like, well, I feel like, I can't watch her show anymore because I disagree with the things that she's done. And maybe hopefully there's enough people that will come to that conscientious uh, decision as well. Like that was the old way of discourse. Now it's just like cancel her fucker. She's a piece mm-hmm. of shit. Like look at her body of work, man. I mean, she's clearly a fucking comedic genius. Her last special on Netflix was the first half was, but the last half was banging hilarious. Yeah. When she said, fuck, I lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs> It was like the first time I'd ever heard her curse, and it right. was just out of left field. It was hilarious. Yeah. Well, and I think that my brother and I were debating the whole Justin Trudeau blackface situation. I don't even know anything about so that. So, Justin Trudeau, and I'm probably going to get the facts wrong here, but Justin Fine, Trudeau dressed in blackface. He's a Canadian prime minister, I guess. He dressed in blackface at some parties in college or not super long ago. I don't know if it was one time or multiple times. I'm pretty sure it was multiple times. And a lot of people are rightfully outraged about it. I think that they absolutely should be outraged about it. But other people are saying, well, you know, why should he be held accountable for something that he did a long time ago? He's come out and apologized, blah, 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 blah. Like for me, it goes back to radical accountability. Like, my opinion is that, you know, that's not something in today's climate that you were just like, oh, yeah, I forgot I did that in college. Like, my opinion is like, you did something bad. You have to own up to that. Sure. And you can't come out after it becomes public knowledge and apologize because now you're apologize You're apologizing in reaction mm-hmm. to pressure or threats or appearance. You're not apologizing from a genuine place. Like, in my opinion, you should come out and say publicly without any predication, without any situation that would pressure you to do it and say, this is completely random and out of left field. But when I was 25 and I was in college, I dressed in blackface at a party because I was not as good of a person as I am now. And that was a mistake. And I recognize that was a mistake. And I have grown and I do not condone that activity. And I just want to make that public record because I want everybody to know moving forward, I will be better. I've been looking for the my way into somewhat disagreeing. Like I always try to play that little bit of devil's advocate thing going on. Um, but I think the part where I slightly disagree is like, I feel like your actions should speak louder than words. Absolutely. So if you did something bad in the past involving jizz, for example, 
just random, just a thing. I just came so uh, between the time that that happened, uh, like 13, 14 years ago, and now, I I realized at the time it was bad. I realized afterwards it was bad, and I decided I'm not going to do anything fucked up like that ever again. So my actions between the day after that and now have proven that I've learned my lesson and that I shouldn't do stupid shit like that before. I apologized at the time because I knew it was wrong. I've already that's already been done. So like if I were to overnight become famous and then people hear about this story and it becomes news, I don't feel like I should have to uh, have apologized for it publicly because my actions have proven over the last 14 plus years that that's not who I am anymore. Right. So like say when you and I were in high school, MySpace was what Twitter is now. It was popular, but not quite, you know, what it is. And it's not like people are finding old MySpace posts. Could you imagine how fucking crazy that would be if people dug up old MySpace posts? That's a crazy (laughs) thought. There are people out there that do it, I'm sure. I don't know. MySpace's security is probably so shitty that there's probably just like an NSA (laughs) database of like everybody in the world's MySpace posts. That's probably the first place they look. They're like, well, (laughs) we might as well just check MySpace to make sure that, you know, Trudeau didn't say anything racist. (laughs) Just rule that one out, George. Uh, like, that's an insane thought. Yeah, but like, you know, it, I forgot. I lost my train of thought. That was insane. You don't think you should have to come out publicly? Yeah, I like, just feel if like you've it, made the situation right. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I think it just depends. I sure. think it depends on what you do for a living, yeah. you know, and how many people are impacted by that. I mean, we've all done or said something shitty to somebody, and. If, if it was me, let's say I fucking, I don't know, let's say I punched you in the face when we were in high school together and then I, like, peed on you publicly, like, you know, that's a pretty fucking awful thing. Sexually? No, okay. like, just, like, peed on you because I was like, well, you're a dumb piece of shit, right? Well, so, like, you could argue that... Fair. You could argue that, okay, well, the only person I should have to make right, you know, with is you. Sure. Right? But on the other side of the coin, like... You know, maybe I exposed myself publicly and there Mm -hmm. were 30 people that saw that. And, you know, whether I want to admit it or not, that, you know, impacted those people in some way. You know, there were probably two or three people in that audience that, you know, were they felt traumatized by that event. Right. So, you know, I can see the argument being both things like. Am I responsible to apologize to just you? Or am I responsible to apologize to everybody there? Or am I responsible to apologize to everybody there and you and anybody they talk to about it? I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know how you determine that. There's no like, like fucking formula when it comes to like people's thoughts or emotions. Um, I think in Justin Trudeau's case, I believe very strongly that he's the prime minister of a million people. Like he is the face that represents a lot of fucking people. But do you think, 25 whatever years ago that he thought there was even a remote chance that he would ever be in that situation no but that to me that goes back to like radical accountability like you're always going to be accountable for the things that you discuss and the things that you say like you're always going to be accountable for that sure that's the way it is right so you can't you can't just do something or say something and then not be willing to stand behind it or to apologize for it after the fact. Well, I mean, what about, I mean, should you be expected to remember everything that you've ever done that might be, have, have, might've been construed 
maybe even in the wrong way. Like if you, you know, I played sports growing up and uh, a lot in baseball, there's a lot of ass smacking going on. Do I know for a hundred percent sure fact that I didn't traumatize one of my teammates by smacking them on the ass? So, you know, he may have been drunk at that party and forgot he dressed like that. I mean, especially you get to his age in your thirties and forties, you start to forget a lot of shit that you did. Sure. I think maybe not on the same level, but that fucking dude that, uh, supposedly like got drunk when he was 17 and like choked some girl who was like uh, some Supreme Court fucking dude. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, um, Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, 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 the Kavanaugh thing. That dude's like 70 fucking years old. And they were talking about something he did when he was 17. I'm not defending his actions whatsoever. I think there are certain things that are to a certain degree unforgivable. And I feel like rape is one of those things, especially if a child is involved with somebody under 18, you know, that's like, that is uh, I feel like that's a crime against humanity type of deal. Cannibalism. I think, I think cannibalism is maybe not even as bad as that. Cause if they're already dead, I mean, you're just wasting yeah, meat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Getting into semantics here. But uh, yeah, like that's something that's, I feel like it has to be case by case for sure. And I think in Trudeau's case, like, you could have easily forgotten that you were a fucking dickhead in college and did something stupid like that. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I, I see both sides of the argument. You know, I think that it also has a little, I mean, there's so many factors that go into it. It's the court of public opinion. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, what the political climate is like at the time. Like we're saying, like, who's to say that the office isn't terrible and something else is, or the office is terrible and something else isn't like, you know, were you doing it out of malicious intent because you're just, uh, you know, like a cruel, apathetic monster or were you, you know, the victim of circumstance? I don't have the answers to that. Sure. I just know that you have to be willing to say, yeah, I did something wrong. Yeah. Like, I th- I not think- And not defend it or not say like, you know, like in my mind, you know, I personally don't believe that like being drunk at a party is an excuse for anything like and I and I I recognize that at like 16 or 23 or whatever like you're not gonna know like you're not always gonna know like this is acceptable that's acceptable this isn't that isn't it you're you know adolescence is a really awful thing yeah because you you don't have the information that you need and you know you don't have always have parents for instance that can guide you through those things so it's confusing and it's terrible and terrible things are going to happen to you and you're going to do terrible things to other people so it's one of those things like it's not easy to navigate Mm -hmm. and i don't think that we should ever expect people to navigate that perfectly yeah but i also don't believe that that excuses you from what you do either and i think that there's a difference between saying i'm sorry I shouldn't have done this and saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this, but, (laughs) or I did it because, yeah, because that's not taking accountability 100%. Sure. That's only taking partial accountability in the moment to, you know, prevent the fallout of a situation. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with like being willing to own up to what you did was wrong, but I just, I think where it goes too far is where it's like, well, that's not good enough. It's like, well, I fucked up. What do you want me to do? Like, I'm, I'm sorry. That was that was shitty of me. I don't think anybody died, but uh, fuck, man. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it just like once again, I think it depends on like the situation. Like, obviously, like, you know, like should 
I'm trying to think of a person, you know, that I I don't want this to become a shitstorm or anything. I'm trying to think of a person like should Justin Trudeau be put to death because he did that at a party? Probably not. That's probably I would argue that that's extreme. Like Jack okay. Black dressed in dress, you know, dressed in blackface and Tropic Thunder. Like Jack Black shouldn't be put to death for that. Like was it tasteful? Probably not. Like I don't think that was stand up. Jack Black, are you or not Jack Black, Robert Downey Jr. I'm sorry. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Robert Downey Jr. dressed in blackface in Tropic Thunder. You know, like... You should apologize to Jack Black now. Yeah, I should. I'm sorry, Jack Black. <laughs> um, you know, like, I don't necessarily feel like he should be put to death for that. That's pretty extreme, right? Right. It's pretty fucking extreme. I don't think that he should expect to remain prime minister necessarily. Like, hmm. I feel like, you know, like, maybe it's not fair or not right to be held accountable to that to that level i'm not the one that gets to decide that and i don't think there's ever going to be a you know objective answer to that i'm a nihilist i don't believe in objectivity (laughs) but i think that that's a possible consequence of it and i think that if that ends up being the consequence you i mean you can whine and cry about it all day long but that's the reality okay and i think if that's how people feel about it that's how the company or the country or the you know right the party or whoever feels about it okay I can I can definitely agree with that, um, but I think where I come in is I think that most important is regardless of what was actually done or intention or any of that, um, the punishment should always fit the crime. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know. I mean, it's not my place to decide what his punishment should be, um, but I, I just don't know. I don't. I feel like. Impe- or not impeachment, but like being removed as prime minister might be. I think he's a fucking idiot. Regardless, I I'm not defending his actions as a person who is a supporter of him. For example, Bill and Hillary Clinton both have photos of them at Halloween parties in blackface. Uh, that bitch almost became president, and the other one was. So like, yeah. you know, it's uh, I just. I think he's a fucking retard, uh, dickhead, dickhead. That was what I meant to say, not retard. I got retards on the mind because our <laughs> off mic discussion. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's a dickhead. Uh, he just, he seems like a, sh- uh, a shitty person in general. But <clears throat> I don't know if dressing up in college in blackface is like cause for that per se. Um, but I'm not black, so it's not really any of my fucking business, is it? I, I mean, that's how I feel about it. Like, I'm not a... I'm not a member of the groups that would be, you know, like offended by that. Yeah. And I'm not a, I'm not a person that's like, as a white person, I can't be offended on behalf of somebody else. Like I, I, I can agree that it's offensive, but I cannot say, well, that's offensive to me. Unless it's personal, I guess. Cause like, yeah, I mean, I think that like, for sure, like it can be personal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like the only example that came off, <clears throat> the top of my head was like if your black person adjacent, your best friend, is being assaulted. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm offended now. Yeah, but I can't just like as a white person be like just all of a sudden be like, I don't know. Like, I, let me rephrase this because I think there's a better way to say it. I don't think any sentence should ever start with the phrase as a white person. Hey, <laughs> I do not believe that my perspective is ever going to allow me to fully understand that's fair what that is like sure i can make a decision as a white male to be an activist for you know 
women or for black people and to, or for, you know, gay people or trans people or whatever. I can make a decision that I agree that their lives are not as good as mine because of systemic racism or systemic homophobia or systemic sexism. Because those are realities in our country. Those are realities globally. Those yeah. are realities of the world. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that. And I can agree that those things are unacceptable. Total bummer. Total bummer. Yeah. Total bummer, man. <laughs> no, but I can agree that those things are not okay. And I can take actions in my life to change those things. But I can never be impacted by those things yeah. to the level that those other people can. Because... I- at the end of the day, it's my business to make sure that their lives are better, but it's none of my fucking business to determine what their lives should be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I distinctly remember more than one occasion, my girlfriend asking me to like do something for her. And I was just like, why won't you just do it yourself? And she's like, cause I don't want to go outside. It's dark. And that's a big parking lot with a lot of places to hide. And I was like, <laughs> being me is awesome. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to necessarily say being like a white male in America's the the thing, but it's just like, I'm not afraid of anything. Right. I'm not saying I could like fucking kick the ass of any potential assailant, but it's just like, I don't fucking care. Like stab me, dude. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just, I'm old enough now that I don't give a fuck and I feel comfortable defending myself, but I don't ever have to, as a, like a, a female, I never have to worry about ever being raped as long as i stay out of prison i'm fine (laughs) like yeah i mean that's i would say argue that that's not like an objective truth but yeah there is all a very near to zero percent chance i will ever it's definitely not even comparable to what it's like being a woman in america like whole number percentage versus a very small fraction of a percent yeah (laughs) exactly well and like so you know obviously you know, issues like, you know, women's rights, sexism, you know, homophobia, transphobia, you know, rape, sexual assault, uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Those are all things that I believe 100% are absolutely unacceptable. And I'm very passionate about doing work within the community to prevent those things and to bring awareness to those things and to counsel and and advocate on behalf of people who have been victims of those things. But I can't ever pretend to know what it's like to be those people. It's fair. I can say I know people who have gone through that and I've gotten a glimpse of it. But I don't know what's floating around in their heads. You sure. know, I, it's funny. I was actually talking to my one of my trans friends last night about it because, you know, a lot of people who are transphobic, I think that they're just like, well, I just, you know, I don't understand it. I'm like, well, I don't understand it either. Like, I've never been a person that's like, I don't feel comfortable with my physical body or how people identify me because of my physical body. I've never been that person. I will never be that person because... I don't have those feelings. I don't have those, those, you know, internal doubts or discomforts. I, I, I'm even like scared to say even this conversation, like, I don't know what that's like, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, it's not my job. It's not my business. It's, it shouldn't even be a question to be like, well, I don't understand it because at the end of the day, I shouldn't have to, all I should care about is, are these people happy? Right. And if they're not happy, what can I do to help make them happy? 
And why is it my business that they make decisions in their life, whether that's to, you know, undergo testosterone treatment or hormone therapy or sex reassignment surgery or any of those things, or, you know, if they want to dress up how they want to dress up, or if they want to use this bathroom versus that bathroom, I don't fucking care. I'm, I care that you're happy. Mm-hmm. I don't care about what you have to do to achieve that. As long as you're not, you know, hurting other people. Totally agree. Yeah. Go for it. Couldn't like, agree more. It's not my business. Yeah. The only thing I ever get annoyed by is like the, the concept that everyone has to know what it is that you're into, like coming out on your Facebook page or like to your parents or whatever. It's like, dude, nobody cares what you want to fuck or what you jack off to. <sighs> Shut the fuck up. I accept it. Fine. Cool. I don't need a, a a wall of text talking about it and bitching about how no one will accept you. If you just do whatever you want and go through life, yeah, there are people that are going to be assholes to you and you have every right to complain about that. But if like nobody's Nobody cares. Yeah, I I think I like I can understand that perspective for sure. I think it depends on once again, I think it's situational. I don't think there's ever like a yes or a no or a right or a wrong. Like sure. some people, you know, like let's say you grew up with like a ultra conservative parents and your parents are homophobic. I, I can see how it's empowering to make it a public statement to come out publicly. Sure. You know, I'm trying to think of maybe a musical artist who's come out publicly whether recently or in the past, um, I don't know, Rob Halford, you know, I don't, I don't know if he had come out publicly, you know, at any time before he was in Judas Priest, but at some point when he was in Judas Priest, he came out publicly and I can imagine how that's really empowering, whether that's empowering because you've never said it in front of that many people and, or because people are debating about it or because you know that by coming out, it's going to make the lives of other people who are trying to do that better. I don't know why they did it, but I can understand why that's powerful. In, in his case, that makes perfect sense. Is yeah. like, n- you know, making yourself known as a public public figure that's like ass kicking in your field and like being an inspiration. Totally understandable. I, I just but don't know that regular it, fucking person that's just like. But like, I don't know. Like, if you're James and you know your parents are like threatening you and they're trying to send you like gay what is it gay conversion what do they call that uh yeah like pray the gay away camps yeah pray the gay I forget there's a like a term for those camps but if they're trying to send you to you know conversion camps to like make you not gay and you want to come out on Facebook so you can find out who cares and who doesn't and who's going to be there for you and who's not like more power to you I think I mean I I do understand. I agree that like your life shouldn't revolve around acceptance on social media. I yeah. think that like the whole problem with social media is a, it's huge in in our country and mm-hmm. across the world now. Um, but I think that that's maybe a separate separate thing because you know whether you're coming out on Facebook or you're coming out to your friends individually, it doesn't really matter. I mean, because really you're doing that. Right. You're saying it on Facebook, but your individual friends are seeing it. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be any different than like any different than if I came in here and I was like, hey, Tyler, I'm gay. You're like, oh, okay. That's fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're just saying like, hey, this is who I am. No, I think that there are points where people do things on social media, you know, because they want attention. I don't think that coming out is one of those things. I I, I feel like that's kind of where my head was <clears throat> originally is that <clears throat> it's like they're, they're leveraging the fact that it's really, I don't want to say popular, but it's being talked about a lot right now. Trans rights, you know, different types of sexualities and, and gender identities and all that stuff. It's so 
I don't know if divisive is the right way. It's just very in the ether right now. And I feel like a lot of people are seeing that there are very few consequences if they were to leverage that as a form of getting attention on social media. You know, like, it doesn't take shit for a girl to say she's poly and bi or whatever. Like, like chicks are hot. Most chicks agree. So you're not really special, but you're leveraging that position in, with very little consequence to gain attention. And it's, it's very case by case for sure because, you know, you don't want to say every person that is in a certain group is full of shit, but there are a lot of people that are using that as, and and I don't like to use famous people as examples because it's hard, right? Like, right. yeah, I, I don't know. Like for me, it, once again, it just goes back to like, my opinion is like nobody else's life is my business, mm-hmm. you know, like, but then why do they have to fucking talk about Facebook? <laughs> It's none of my business, and I don't care, so shut Well, <laughs> but I don't feel like it's my job to moderate anybody else's anything. Right. Okay. So, so like, for me, it'd be, like, the argument is, like, here we go something like, what Tyler posts on his Facebook is his business. Sure. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you post on your Facebook. Whether I want to see it or not is irrelevant. Okay. It's on your Facebook. It's your Facebook. That's your, I don't want to say property. That's your intellectual property. It's my page. Yeah, it's your page, right? It's your Facebook profile and you can post whatever you want. I don't have to like it. But you have every right to roll your eyes and be annoyed by it. Sure. Absolutely. And if I get outraged by your eye rolling, then I'm an asshole. Yeah, but I don't think that... (laughs) I feel like we agree. Yeah, well... I I, (laughs) I don't think that... I think that there's a level of accountability, which for me is a pretty big theme, but you you have the right to do whatever you want. Totally. But so does everybody else. Sure. And you have to accept any consequences that come along with that. I think, I don't think I'm saying that anyone should or shouldn't be allowed to do whatever. Like if you want to like attention whore yourself all over social media, more power to you. But I feel like I still reserve the right to think you're fucking stupid. Yeah, for sure. And I shouldn't be judged for that. I shouldn't be looked at as anti-anything. I'm just anti-stupid shit. I think that's kind of where I'm going with it. Yeah. I've, I I give just, up really easily, by the way. Like, you know, if, if you tried for like another three minutes, I'd be like, you know what? Whatever. You're right. <laughs> I, I, I guess I just don't believe in, I don't believe in objectivity. So I don't believe that. I don't believe in censorship either. Yeah, I don't that's believe That's where in I'm conflicted. Yeah, just, well, yeah, for sure. Like. Are there people that probably post things to get attention? Sure. Yeah. That's a reality. Um, I don't think that everybody who does it is no, doing it for that. Definitely reason. not. You know, and I don't necessarily think that even if you are doing it for attention, that that's a bad thing because attention can be empowering, right? Because it's a public, it's essentially public speech. Yeah. It's the equivalent of like, you know, soapbox. Caesar, yeah, Caesar in Rome standing up on a soapbox and saying, you know, yeah, he was totally fine. That's a great example. Yeah. <laughs> he was totally not an asshole. It's, it's essentially <laughs> the same as insert other Greek name here, <laughs> standing on a soapbox and starting to talk and saying this. Sure. And like, whoever's Sophocles? in the Sophocles, yeah, is he the one know. that did all the boner stuff and the dildos? Yeah, I don't know. I no, that's uh, Pericles. I don't know. Anaxagoras. Socrates. Sorry, Jones. Sorry, Dr. Jones. I apologize for my transgression. Yeah, well, I studied it for four years, and I can't remember it either. So, um, anyway, that was pretty heavy, pretty heavy conversation. Uh, yeah, that got 
I don't know. It just it didn't go the same way I thought it was going to go. One thing I <clears throat> I thought about a lot a while that something that I I don't change my mind a lot on things that I don't even know how I'm trying to say this. So like the sticking with super fucking topical <laughs> stuff, uh, Louis C.K. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing. I felt in the beginning I was super like, who cares? Like he didn't force anything on anyone. You know, he the originally people thought he like stood in the doorway and like wouldn't let people out and, you know, was trying to force people to watch him jerk off. And I was just like, well, that didn't really happen. So other people trying to make it sound worse than it was kind of influenced me to go the other way because I saw the fuckery and I was just like, well, you guys are just trying to make it sound worse. But at like recently ish thinking about it, I, I kind of sort of changed my mind, but. There's a caveat there, so I'll make this as quick as possible. No, you're good. Do your thing. You work in a place, and if you're a female, this is way easier to understand my thinking process on this, but say your girlfriend works there with you, and you both have a boss, and your boss tries to jerk off in front of your girlfriend. (laughs) That's a problem, right? Because your boss has influence over you, And, and with Louis. Like he had, he was like Mr. Fucking comedy to these girls that he was kind, not really their boss per se, but like he had huge influence over their career. Yeah. Well, influence is power. Yeah. Right. I mean, he may as well have been their manager because at that point he had a very uh, strong ability to affect their career, whether it could be positive or negative. He could tell clubs never book these bitches ever again, or he could you know, like boost them up, put them on shows, like give them opportunities. So it's like he has a huge pull in that, you know, spectrum words. Yeah, words. My are point hard. my point being, you know, if you have a female friend, you wouldn't want her boss to try to jerk off in front of her at work or in a, any scenario. Like so I think for me originally I was thinking of it very like putting myself in Louis shoes. Versus putting myself in the chick's shoes. Because to me, that's preposterous. If you want to jerk off right now, go right ahead, dude. I don't give a fuck. I'm a grown man. I've seen a lot of really weird shit. You know, I, I, somebody pulled a knife on me two months ago. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I I think that at the end of the day, for me, it just all like, okay, I've been doing like theater, music, you know, performing arts for a long time. And especially like when you're doing a show that involves something physical, I would never just grab any co like co-star co-actor, whatever. I would never grab another person and be like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this. Cause that person hasn't like not to like bring up the consent word and like have a whole debate about that. I personally don't think it should be a debate. I think right. that consent is consent and no is no. Like, I think it's a right. very, <laughs> very hard line there sure. like there's no ambiguity no gray area i believe that in foul is like I, I i do maybe believe in one or two objective truths i think okay. no means no and yes means yes and if i have not explicitly been told yes by somebody that behavior a or physical touch a is okay i'm not gonna do it right because it's not my place to make an assumption or to analyze the situation and make a call or a game time decision, like there has not been an explicit yes or no. So I'm not going to risk hurting somebody else because I'm too fucking chicken shit to be like, hey, is this okay? Mm -hmm. 
like just be straightforward and say, "Hey, is this okay?" No, but it's I feel not. like like there are scenarios where even if you ask if it's okay, it's still like you have this certain level of influence over that person that they feel like they need to say yes or they Absolutely. even if they feel more compelled to just because you know if you are the manager at your company and say you're your boss and there's a female that just got hired at your position that you just got promoted from and you're super attracted to her and you're just talking to her you're hitting it off you're having a good time you're getting to know each other and you feel like things are moving in a direction that could be that way and then you're like hey you want to you know like grab some lunch you grab lunch you're in the car on the way back and like now you're in a situation where even if you ask for consent like you're her new boss she doesn't want you to think bad- badly of her Oh, things seem to like we're hitting it off. She's going to lunch with me. Everything's cool. So then like, even if she were to say yes, if you asked if you could like hold her hand or kiss her, like there's a a level of influence over that person that that yes doesn't feel like a legitimate yes. For sure. I would argue that you just, I would argue that you should never date a coworker period, but you should especially never date somebody that's. Most companies have policies in place for that. There's a fucking reason for that. Right. Um, and I think that if you do that, let's say you do ask somebody who works on your team and you're their boss, like, hey, can we date or can we hold hands or whatever, like, you are accepting the consequence that that person may not be comfortable with that. Right. And you should definitely handle that situation with a lot more maybe caution or apprehension then I mean, because the reality is you're going to fall in love with people. You're going to be attracted to people. And there are situations absolutely where, you know, bosses and ma- managers and managees probably way to say it. They're going to date or they're going to feel attracted. That's a reality. That's right. just the human, you know, the human condition. But it's not always it's mo- I would say most of the time it's harassment. Yeah, I think you should. And sh- you should just not pursue it. I would argue. Honestly, this is probably pretty radical, but I would say like if somebody that worked on my team and I like was attracted to me and I was attracted to them and I was their boss, I would either say I want this person transferred out of my department because we want to date or I want you to make me not the boss anymore. Like that's to me, that's like a consequence of wanting to do that. Yeah. I think you should be conscientious enough as a modern human being to see that that could be a huge problem. You know, and and to make sure that the other person is truly comfortable. With yeah, that. I can. I, in in a lot of the chicks that Louie specifically did jerk off in front of, and they did say yes, they don't care. Like Sarah Silverman was just like, whatever. I thought it was weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's just but Sarah people Silverman handle, handle things differently. Yeah, people handle things differently. Sarah Silverman is not whoever else was I in the room. Her. She's, she's great. So, she's she's awesome. great. <laughs> she's really funny too, and I think she's direct and straightforward. But you, that, to me, that goes back to I can't speak on behalf of other people. Right. It's just it's there's a lot of gray area, and I feel like that w- that's why it makes for such good discussion is because you can fully agree with each other, and still there's like that one little thing where you're just like, but I don't know, like yeah. it's just it's so gray that uh, part of me still thinks you should be able to separate. That's the caveat that I was talking about. You should be able to separate people's actions from their art for yeah. sure. We, it's I, it's amazing how often I talk about this and I think it's just, and you too probably, it's probably like the f- fifth time this has been discussed on the podcast. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a pretty common discussion and it should be in today's 
times, I guess. But I think it depends on the art and the artist. Mm-hmm. Like, we played a game last night, actually, me and, and, and some friends. Like, who is the one person that if something happened right now where it came out, one popular person, movie star, musician, podcaster, where if something came out about them right now that they – you know, murdered somebody, that they sexually assaulted somebody, whatever horrible thing that they did, who's the one person that would just break your heart more than anybody else? What would impact you, right? What would be the thing that made you, like, angry, like, visibly angry, hurt? Oh, it it hurts me to say it because I don't, I don't really, I guess Joe Rogan, just because, like, all the things that I'm interested in, like I can look up to him. Uh, I've, I've always loved comedy. I've always loved anything to do with, you know, media and entertainment. And he's just like the embodiment of a lot of the things that I'm super into, even though I really am not that into him per se. It's just like, you know, the things he's accomplished are inspiring to you. Yeah. And a lot of people that are into the same shit I'm into kind of like mold themselves to be simple, like he set such a fucking great example in so many ways of the type of person to be, how to handle fame, how to, you know, navigate social media and all the, like everything he's done has been pretty fucking stellar in the last like 15, 20 years. So if it came out that he like raped some chick, I would be heartbroken for sure. Right. Absolutely. For me, it's Steve Martin. Okay. I, I, Steve Martin is like one of my favorite human beings of all time. And I don't even never met the guy. Right. But to me, he embodies what I think is important as an artist, which is exploring art as a subject, okay. not like music or film or comedy, exploring art. Because the reality is that it's all connected. Mm-hmm. It all comes from the same place. It just comes out in different ways. And he's done it all. And right. he continues to try and do as much as he can because for him, it's like, what haven't I explored and how can I be in touch with other creative people? And I'm speaking for him. I don't know that that's his motivation. Maybe he just wants money. But I have a hard time believing that somebody could want to pursue that many different things because they just didn't want to know, like, what the most creativity they could, you know, release or accomplish was. But for me, it's like, why should, and this is where I'm, I'm not trying to challenge you, but this is where I'm saying, like, I think it's good that people discuss these things. I think the whole, like, you shouldn't publicly discuss these things argument is fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, if somebody wants to listen to this podcast and say, well, Jared talked about sexism and rape, so Jared must automatically be this kind of person. It mm-hmm. goes back to what you're saying about actions. Like, the actions that you do are what should define you. Mm-hmm. I spend, I'm not going to say every second of my extra time because it's not true, but I spend a significant amount of my extra time advocating and creating and working on things to try and bring awareness to, you know, the things I mentioned, like sexism, sexual assault, trans, you know, transphobia is an issue, homophobia is an issue, equal rights for LGBTQ people. Those are the things that I care about. So I spend my time working on those things. Anybody that knows me in my personal life knows that those things are important to me. 
because I don't want to see people get hurt. And I've seen people that I, I'm close to get hurt. So if I hear about Louis C.K. doing something, for me, it's not a question. It's not like, oh, did he really do it? Or like, obviously, I mean, there are situations where people are wrongly accused of things. Very low but, percent, but yeah. Yeah, it's a low percent, though. It's a very low percent. And so responsibly, I have an obligation to believe that the victim is telling the truth because that is the statistical probability. So for me, it should never immediately go to, oh, man, what am I going to watch now on Netflix? Oh, man, can I watch Parks and Recreation now and enjoy it? Because that's not accepting that something bad happened to a group of people. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So like where I was going to challenge you is why should it be any different if it's somebody that we like or that we follow who does it? Versus if it's Harvey Weinstein. I didn't even know who the guy was. Mm -hmm. And I'd seen his name probably on a billion movie titles and credits. Had no fucking clue who Harvey Weinstein is, right? Right. And I didn't hesitate one time to be like, oh, he's a piece of shit. Because he is a fucking piece of shit. But if Steve Martin or Louis C.K. or somebody that I admired comes out and does it, all of a sudden, like, I'm conflicted. That's a problem. I think that 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 is emblematic of what the problem is, which is that people want to say that they care about issues, but the reality is we're always all, every human being, it's not just like me and you, it's every human being, we're so self-absorbed, we're so self-centered and self-focused that when we hear about an injustice or something that happens, we don't, I want to make clear, I'm not trying to like call you, I'm calling myself out too, right? I'm calling everybody out because we're so focused on how does this affect me? Not how does this affect the people that it affected? Right. How does this affect our society and our world? How does this empower people like Harvey Weinstein to do what he did or Jeffrey Epstein or Lisa Kate or whoever? Because the reality is for every person that says, how do I separate the art from the artist?" And, and it's a conversation you have to have. It's mm-hmm. just the reality. Like we're all going to talk about that because you can't go back and, edit history either you can't get rid of that stuff um but for every person that says that and has it has that conversation from like an altruistic place i think like we are right now to say like what's the deeper meaning there there's also a person that's like well i like louis ck so fuck whoever said that like you know situations are gray or whatever so i'm just going to continue to to watch his stuff sure but at, at the same time, I think along with that whole punishment should fit the crime discussion. Take Michael Vick, for example. What Michael Vick did was terrible. You know, Quarterback, Atlanta, yes. dog fighting. Dog yeah. fighting, right. Yeah. He did a terrible thing, was caught, arrested, did prison time. Maybe. Should he have done more? Maybe. That, that's up to the justice system to decide. He gets out of prison. And then he's still a phenomenal athlete. Who would have thought genetics are fucking crazy? And then he gets back into the NFL. So should I, uh, as a person who loves dogs, never watch football? Like, should I like not watch my football team and play the Atlanta Falcons or whoever he plays for now? I feel like he was justly punished for his actions. So if, say, Joe Rogan, Steve Martin, they did something, they were busted, they, they... served their time, did their consequences. They, you know, everything that they had coming to them, they got. 
And then after the fact, after the punishment has been dealt out, is it okay to go back to that? Because mm-hmm. I... I don't know. It, uh, the justice system for me has always been a problem because I don't think I think n- the vast majority of crimes are not justly punished. Yeah, because there's so much influence when it comes to who you are. You know, what color are you? What where are you from? Are you rich? Are you poor? All those things affect mm-hmm. you know jail time, sentencing, well, all like, that. Shit. Even just like what state do you live in? Yeah, like things that like like you know. Like it just like age of consent laws, for instance, it's like age of consent laws are different state state and like how they work and what the punishments are a different state state. Like, is it okay to do something in Alabama and not okay to do something in California? Right. Like th- that's the problem is sure. that there isn't like an objective standard and it's because objectivity like that doesn't exist because for every person that's like, Oh, Michael Vick went to prison there's going to be somebody else who's going to be like, Michael Vick should be murdered. And mm-hmm. like, there's going to be somebody else who's like, well, pff, Michael Vick shouldn't have gone to prison. Like animals are just fucking animals. Like right. we're men and mankind should, you know, have dominion over animals. Right. And it's like, who is right? The is law. it somewhere in the middle? Is the law right? Objectively? Like not objectively, but that's, that's the best we have. That's the problem is we can only go on what we actually have. So, Everything outside of that has to be a personal decision. What Louis did was not illegal. Was it shitty? Absolutely. I 100% think what he did was shitty. I think that it's probably illegal in some places. I mean, it could be, but so, like, there's no proof that he what he did was um, not consented to because all that came out was these girls said yes to watching him jerk off and regretted it later, quote unquote. But, you know, that whole coercion discussion that we had, like, you know, he had influence over them, so they... Kind of, but that is illegal. That is that itself is illegal. Sexual harassment is illegal, and and you could. I think the definition of sexual assault in the workplace might actually involve coercion. I'd have to. Well, coercion probably probably depends. Like coercion is a strong word for what I think actually happened in this situation. It was more of like I have influence over you. Right. I asked if you would if I can jack off in front of you. You said yes, regardless of why you said yes or no. You have to be accountable, right? Yeah. So if you say yes, even though you were influenced, you still said yes. Other people did say no, and they weren't like it's not like he just came out from around the corner like a flasher and whipped his dick out and started jerking off. Yeah, but I still think what he did was shitty. But I don't think it was illegal. And even if it was, these people didn't come out about it until it was way too late to punish him for it. So statute of limitations is part yeah. of our law, which is it's the best we have because it, it is just it sucks, but it is what we have. Yeah, I, man, it's but once <laughs> I it's this is the problem with like having these kinds of discussions because it's just like this endless cycle of like, yeah. pitfalls and loops yeah. and devil's advocacy and stuff. Like, I don't know all the details of the Louis C.K. situation, right. honestly. And this goes back to I'm actually calling myself out right now. Like, I get sick of reading about it. Yeah, yeah. I I'm just at the end of it, it, I at the end of it was just like, whatever happens to him it happens to him yeah. like it's fucking his own fault for doing something terrible yeah. like i don't know the details i'll never know the details i believe that what he did was wrong mm-hmm. and that's enough for me yeah at the end of the day for some people that's not enough for some people like you know like i've never been the victim of sexual assault so i can't i can't imagine what it's like to see somebody like not be punished for it right or not be punished in what my mind is in a justifiable way so yeah. I can understand why people are still talking about it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm not going to sit here and say like, for, essentially it goes back to my argument. It's none of my business. Right. I believe that he did something bad. I believe that there are people who feel like he was not justly punished and it's their business to handle that. And I will support them in that. Sure. You know, and at the end of the day, as, and at some point, like it does have to, like there has to be a resolution mm-hmm. <laughs> because like the James Gunn situation we were talking about, I think I forget who came out. I think a lot of the guardians, of the galaxy cast came out, but they were like, he's not that person. Mm-hmm. And we all know he's not that person. And we're willing to put our names on the line to say he's not that person. So at one point, at what point has a person proved that they have changed and that they're not that person anymore? I think the problem is that nobody is giving, or not nobody, but so many people are not giving anyone the chance or they're ignoring the fact that they have changed. They're not giving them an an ample opportunity to prove that they've, they're Mm -hmm. a different person or they're, they have no way of knowing that they're, Right person still or not. They're just assuming because something did happen and because it is, you will get more likes on Twitter for calling that person out for it and hating on them. That that's where it's an issue for me. I have no interest in calling anyone out about anything. If somebody did something fucked up, I just hope that they get what they deserve. R Kelly. Great example. I hope he goes to prison. I don't know what's been. I I actually forgot all about it. Right. I mean, (laughs) but like, and that's the other thing too. There's so many situations like that now. And, but if I believe I can fly comes on, I'm not turning the radio off. There's just certain things that are undeniable. Beat it. Billy Jean. Great songs. Yeah. I think raping a child is the worst fucking thing you can do. I think it's worse than murder. Those songs are undeniably good. I don't, I'm not going to give any money to, you know, like and, that, but, but like, that's the other thing too. Like there were a lot of people who worked on those songs Yeah, and there were a lot of people who didn't even know what was going on that yeah. worked on those songs. There were yeah. a lot of people who did that worked and on those songs, turned but there were eye. plenty of like other celebrities and people that, you know, were invited to come and record a bass track or something for those songs. And I mean, they've made so much fucking money off those songs. I don't think it should matter, but like their livelihood has been affected. Yeah. Like their money is being affected by that. You know, their reputation and image is potentially at risk or potentially being damaged because of that. Yeah. You know, so, you know, what he did, like it didn't just affect, you know, him or the people. I mean, it obviously impacted like the victims the most, but it impacted other people too. Yeah. And, it's not necessarily right to say, well, we're not going to play this song or this song is all of a sudden like the worst song ever and it should never be played under any circumstances because, you know, Michael Jackson wrote it mm-hmm. or was a singer on it. He probably didn't even write it necessarily, right? Like, but it's known to be done by him. Sure. But like a great example is uh, Rock and Roll by Gary Glitter. Do you know who Gary Glitter is? Mm-mm. Gary, Glitter, you know that song they play at like football games and stadiums. It's like da da da, hey, yeah. da 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 da. That's based on or is entirely the song by Gary Glitter, who was this like glam guy from the fifties that dressed up in like sequins and sparkles and stuff. And he had this song. It was like rock and roll, hey, rock and roll. And he was a fucking like pedophile child molester too. And it's been played at every fucking sporting event in history, probably. <laughs> wow. Where's the, like, fucking justice for that? Where's people calling out the NFL or the NBA for playing that song at games, right? We're too distracted by all the other fucking exactly. shit going exactly, on. Exactly, right? <laughs> so, 
you know, and at one point, do you just say, okay, well, somebody fucked up, wrote this, but it's a cultural or iconic thing. But then there's always going to be somebody else that's like, well, it's an iconic thing because we have a systemic problem with assault and all these other issues, right? So, like, finding the objective truth is impossible. I think we can both agree, like, 100%. there's a lot of gray area. Oh, yeah. But I think there are situations where you can say, like, beyond a reasonable like level of doubt right like rape murder sexual assault hate racism like there are things that are not acceptable totally and you have to do what you can as a person to make those things not happen or to help the people that they've happened to or to not perpetuate them yeah i think the one thing we can both agree on a hundred percent is fuck Subway. <laughs> you know, it's really hard being a guy named Jared. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that I've had a. Uh, it's funny though because it used to be like, it used to be like, uh, oh Jared, like Subway Jared, <clears throat> and I was like, oh fuck, five dollars for every time I've heard that, and I'm <sighs> just like, not. They'll be like, oh, Jared, like the subway, Jared, oh. I'll give you a dollar to never say that again. Yeah. <laughs> well, but now they immediately, like, stop making the joke because they're like, oh, that's oh, not. That's really sad. Yeah, that's really sad. Did you hear that he recently uh, <laughs> traced a picture of his dinky and <laughs> sent it to some underage girl <laughs> and asked for a lock of her pubic hair? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it's not funny, but it's hilarious at the same time. It's one of those things where it's just like, Jesus, he's such a piece of shit. Yeah. Well, and it's like, how was he even in a situation to do that in the first fucking place? From what I've heard, he's like living the good life in prison right now. It's fucked up. It's fucked up, dude. I know. But this goes back to like punishment should fit the crime. Like, in my opinion, like, Jer- if Jared Fogle got on his phone and, and texted... Uh, anything sexual to an underage girl like Jared Fogle should never be allowed to have a phone for the rest of his life like why is he in prison no having known to have done these things and he has access to even do that why is he being put in the situation to facilitate that that is a failure of the justice privilege privilege yeah white privilege Money privilege. Wealth privilege. Is there a word for that? Wealth privilege? Rich privilege? It's white privilege. White privilege. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's true. White privilege. <laughs> hand in hand. Well, yeah, man. I mean, I think we agree on a lot. We had a lot of interesting discussions. I mean, we've been going for two hours. It was a heavy episode. It was. I was just going to come and- I've needed one of these for a while, though. I was going to come and plug a bunch of stuff. <laughs> well, now that everyone hates us both for our <laughs> thoughts and beliefs, go ahead and plug everything again. <laughs> 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 oh man mark cruz and yeah canvas. mark cruz and canvas Great go music. check out mark cruz go check out canvas super fucking awesome guy hell of a songwriter i'm super fortunate and grateful to be involved in that um bootleg shanty podcast and the whole crew out there all really great friends of mine and they're hilarious dudes uh they've got a let's play channels on youtube they got a podcast they've got some other cool stuff that I should know off the top of my head, and I don't, and I'm super sorry, guys. I've listened to the show. They're I enjoy great. it. It's, it's good great. banter, and I I just want all of you guys on that show to know that I will take all of you to the yard. You got you guys heard it. I'll uh, next time I'm up in Tipton, Indiana, and I'm making fun of them. I'll be like, "Hey, you guys got a challenge." I've seen a couple of them do some some wrestling. There, there's some there's some tough dudes. Take tough it to dudes. the yard. Um, stage two productions. They're an awesome organization. They do a lot for people here in the community. Um, 
I am beyond grateful for the impact that they've played in my life and for everything that I get to be involved in with them. Um, they are nothing but positivity. And if you're not following them on Facebook, you're not going to their shows, you should definitely do that. I was actually going to plug this earlier. Uh, we've launched recently a songwriter series, and we're trying to help turn that venue into a music venue because, you know, uh, we recognize that there's potential there, and the Evansville arts community needs something like that. So we're trying to make it a place for more than just theater. Uh, we did one two weeks ago. Uh, and we've got another one on December 10th, and I think we're probably going to have one at least every month next year. So, Fuck wish yeah. us luck. Knock on wood. Go check them out. I also want to give a special shout out to Who Knew Art. It's a good friend of mine, Kurt Payne. He um, does like splatter painting, and he's actually painting a really cool guitar for me for Rocky Horror. And I'm going to show you on here, Ooh. Tyler. Yeah. And when you see it, you need to be like, oh, that's really sick. So I can be like, hey, you can't see it on the on the podcast but you can see it if you come to the show and everybody who's listening just forget that i said that <laughs> and then just pretend that this is a fully organic like uh, uh i gotta find it see now i uh, we're gonna Darn have like a two and a half hour podcast because i can't find a text message sorry guys um at least it's not pictures of fun <laughs> yeah um so yeah just pretend like oh snap why is his dick in the picture <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> well actually that looks really awesome yeah, like the the, yeah. the mouth, mm-hmm. the, the lip biting, the lightning bolt. Yeah, it looks yeah, awesome. That's Is that really a, cool. A Telecaster? Yeah, it's Telecaster. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, if you want to see what this super cool Rocky themed guitar is all about, come to the fifth annual Rocky Horror Picture Show, produced by Stage Two Productions. And I think that's all I got. Fuck yeah, dude! Drummed by my good pal Drew Beasley. Yeah, Drew Beasley. Or as I like to call him Droob Drew Beasley. Yeah, Drew. <laughs> Yeah, and then I also want to say thank you, Tyler, for having me out. This was a good time. Thank you for coming. Thank you for hitting me up. I yeah, think we, we definitely have left something on the table for future uh, discussion. discussion. Yeah, and I, I hope everybody out there thinks about these things. I think it's important. I think so, too. Nihilism. <laughs> He's my favorite character on uh, Frasier. Who? Niles. That was no, a, Niles. That was a really <laughs> shitty joke. I, I haven't watched enough Frasier <laughs> to be able to connect the dots there. I was like, there's a person named Nihilism? Everything was going oh. so well, and then I made a really bad joke at the end. That's but yeah, the beauty of comedy. Check out all that stuff, and then uh, hit, him, hit him up. Hit him up for any other future stuff he's got yep. going on on stage two and Canvas and all that stuff. Yep. Musically, uh, your other bands. Check all that stuff out. I'll have you send me a list of things you want me to sure. mention yeah, yeah. Go in the for intro, it. Yep. so it's bookended. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, lovely. Two hours and two minutes, man. Right on, dude. Good stuff. Yeah, dude. I needed this. Yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. Toots, good food and fun. <laughs> Feels like a war machine I feel like I've had this dream before You can't explain to me Why the sweat drips out my pores You don't understand Don't wait by me in the night time I can't fall asleep Can't fall asleep Can't fall asleep You set the stage for
So